Bearcat Bounce Podcast. Back at it again. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Bearcat people. Happy Monday. It's a Monday following a, a difficult loss, a loss that is a soul-searching loss, a, a loss against a team that many expected this team to come out and, and compete against and potentially and probably beat on homecoming day in the red era for the Bearcats in season one of the Big 12, in season one of Scott Satterfield coaching era. We're going to completely touch on every single aspect of that game and what it will mean moving forward. It's also a Monday where we are one Monday closer to Wes Miller and the Bearcat basketball team heading the hardwood. That is a reason for excitement. We're also a Monday where, uh, you know what, we get to bring in guys, pals, the the trio. All, everyone is ready with me this week. It's a phenomenal time to be ready on a Monday night. And so without further ado, I'm going to welcome in my guys, the squad, the whole crew, on time, ready, and willing to nip at the butt of what will be one great discussion. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer, how are we? Pretty good, I guess, all things considered. It's my birthday in like four hours. Yeah, so. I was going to say, happy birthday Eve to one uh, to the czar, Mr. Brandow. How are we? I'm here. Let's do this. You want me to drive to Cincy and make you some Mickey Mouse pancakes to wake up to? <laughs> you don't want to do that. That's a young family, <laughs> young so family tradition. So young family so tradition many right there for birthdays. Come on now. Come on now. But yeah, happy birthday, Eve Chad. Excited to uh, ring in the, uh, what, uh, you are 36, right? That's, that's what you're turning a little, a little a touch, a touch oh, older. Okay, a just touch. That. Just that. There, you go. there you go. Well, Aaron, sir, how are we? I'm 45 for three and a half okay. more hours. Okay, okay. We'll live it up to the fullest, baby. I'm, I'm doing all right. I've had plenty of time away from the Bearcats game, and the Bengals managed to get one, so. Yeah, it's a win. Brown, yeah. Browns did us no favors, and neither did Baltimore, but. How about those brownies? What are the brownies and Jets thinking, man? What are they doing? Nuts. I, clearly, the Browns had good juju not playing Deshaun Watson. Well done. Ooh. I, I mean, we might have <laughs> – I might have wanted Emory Jones over uh, P.J. Walker. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know Sorry, what to do with hot. that comment. Do not even yeah. know what to do with that comment. <laughs> I'm a young gun. I, I you can give me some of the some of the heat for that one. I love it. I love it. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, <laughs> Royer, sir. Well, well, first, I it's safe to say this weekend football teams football games were just it was just a drunk weekend. It felt like there were so many drunk things that happened. Even that dang on Bills game Sunday night football just another drunk game. Just weird, weird football going on. But oh well, Mr. Royer, how are we? I'm good. Uh, I had a great weekend outside of the game. Uh, you know, homecoming, saw a bunch of old friends, got to catch up with a bunch of people. Uh, kind of eases the pain of what was put out on the field. Probably one of the worst showings that I've seen since 20, uh, the good old 2017 Bearcats, one of Chad's favorite teams. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that was a big stain on the weekend, but got to watch my jackass roommates take in that Bills game last night. So that was a fun sight to see. Um, I'm doing well, though. It's good to hear, man. It's good to hear. I, you know, it was a uh, tough Saturday. You know, one of those those 12 noons where you – yeah, I, the vibe on the field – now it's hard to, to capture the same atmosphere that was of that Oklahoma game. But uh, the vibes on the field, man, pregame even were – just seemed a little, little off, but you know what? It is what it is. It was homecoming. We're going to break it down. We're going to dissect it all, but if it's still Monday or Tuesday and, you know, Tuesday morning, you're listening to this pod, you know, and, and you're a little frustrated still. So you're slow down a little bit driving that vehicle. But if you do happen to, to, to kind of ram into to something accidentally, you can head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care. They'll get you fixed up. They'll get you hooked up. Danco Joe, you know what? If, if you feel rough about this loss still, you could probably head over to Danco Transmission and Auto Care and just get an oil change, even if you don't need one. Just chat with, with Joe. Joe will Joe will cool, cool your nerves. Joe will help you see the bright light that's possibly at the end of the title. But, uh, yeah, get you know $10 off that oil change. Get 10% off of fixing Danco Joe, Danco Transmission and Auto Care. We love you, but uh, man, without further ado, um, Chad and Aaron, you guys gave a nice uh, swat at what was a uh, Chad. What do you call those? The you know uh, therapy session, right? Not much, not much therapy after this one. Um, Thirty ten, I think a lot of disbelief, a lot of discomfort, a lot of frustration. I honestly beaten and and most most likely dominated in every single facet of the game. I think the only counting stat or, you know, that, that the Bearcats actually thrived better in than the Cyclones was average punting. So hat tip, I guess, a little bit to uh, Mason Fletcher. But, um, man, just a uh, all-around tough showing, four straight losses, uh, three straight at home. Both of those, last time that happened, was in that 2017 season. Mr. Royer and Chad, I'm going to ask you a little bit later about kind of the general vibes around, you know, the site, around the team and everything, because you were there in 2017 covering. So uh, need to need to know if there's similarities or feels or this, that, the other. But Royer, I need to hear first off your pulse, your temperature, your feels um, following just, you know, gen- generalities following a, a, a difficult, difficult loss to Iowa State. Yeah, <clears throat> I'm starting to feel like we're in this no man's land because you got this almost this two different types of teams on one, in one. You got all the, the, the fickle team and then you got the Satterfield team and it's mended together by a new coaching staff and a ton and a ton of transfers. And you're trying to go out there and, and execute at a level where you can't really make any mistakes because you're not uh on paper you're not just better than everyone and you can't just like what we would do in the american um and arguably the roster we had the past couple years we could have walked into a lot of these games and just found a way to want them too but we're kind of at this divide where we don't really have what satterfield fully wants and the guys on the team they might not be liking they might not be used to the style that they're getting out of the coaches. 
And I think it's kind of just a confusion and a just not what we're used to for as fans and as players. And I think it's just showing it's showing on the field. Cause you can't, if, if the culture isn't established, no matter how, no matter what kind of culture it is, if it's like it or not, if it's different than what we're used to when we were winning a bunch of games, like if, if this new one isn't established and they don't have it all figured out X's and O's wise, you're going to drop four games in a row playing this type of schedule. And I think it's just hard on the guys because the guys, everyone that's on the team from the old staff, they, they don't even know what it's like to lose two games in a row, let alone four. So I think it's just big adjustment, man. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for the team. I feel bad for the fans, but it's just, you know, you got to keep the faith that, Keep the faith in John Cunningham and and uh, the coaching staff and Nico to make sure we can right this ship and got to start it somehow versus Baylor coming up. I was really surprised, though, with the performance. Just kind of felt like not the normal effort. Not the norm. Yeah, just – and they – if we knew as fans, like, like we – as fans and people that cover the team, like they needed that game bad. Right. Really, really bad. And you'd think that the players would know that more. And the coaches, I mean, I don't know who to really blame it on, but I think it's both of them. <laughs> but here's unacceptable. Here's, here's what I said, Royer, and I'll I'll be interested in your reaction. You're coming off a three-game losing streak. You're coming off a bye. I expected to see a team ready for a street fight. Like I expected a team to come out. At late hits, I don't care. You know, like, just aggressive, just angry. And I saw a team that was just there to play a football game. Like, I, I didn't see anything before the game, on the sidelines, during the game. Like, we talked about it a lot Saturday night. I don't know if you noticed it, but, like, guys would just kind of, like, jog off the field and go sit down. And, like, you know, nobody was – angry nobody was like pounding the fist and saying like you know getting in hey it's okay you messed you fucked up it's fine like we gotta we gotta get going we gotta you know and i didn't i just didn't get any sense of that like we're pissed off like we're urgency yeah like just just angry like yeah i I haven't seen that from since a lot of sports I, i played a lot of sports growing up I don't know that we saw it even really in it pit. Like I'm, I'm just, just like that physicality, you know, kind of like yeah. the, the the more tougher style football, like going at them on defense, going at them with the run on offense, and kind of just smacking motherfuckers, oh, smacking dudes around. Um, I and Chad, I think honestly, just to put it to be honest with you, I I think it's I think that's Satterfield's style. I don't think it's very like. Fickle, he never told us to play dirty, but he always told us, like, I want you I want you guys to go out there and make this a street fight. I want you to play through the echo of the whistle. I'm not going to be mad at you if you get clean, like, clean penalties. And and he you preach and preach about, you know, player-led teams, like, players holding each other accountable. And I just don't get that vibe from Satterfield. I get kind of like that 
the CEO vibe of I'm not going to go at my players and, and try to rile them up. And, and I think that's what they, I think they need something. They need something along those lines to kind of light a fire under their ass. Cause if you're on a three game losing streak and you come out that flat and give that poor of a, a showing, like, like as your as the coach, like you might have to adjust your style a little bit. Cause I think, I think there's a lot of guys on the team who are kind of looking for that. They're wanting that. And it's hard to like, to have that all the time. And then all of a sudden, like you're losing three games in a row and you just kind of want shit to start getting fired up. And it's just not. Well, and I, I, I don't do think there is, there is some validity to even last year, this team that has not replaced Kaz and Kobe. Yeah. They like, don't have that, that fought. They, they didn't like have it last year. We, we talked about it last year. Um, yeah. And, and nobody like, you know, a, a Dante Corleone is a quiet kid. Juwan Briggs is not a guy that's going to like get in your face and cuss you out. Like, and, and the offense, everybody's new. I don't know, you know, how you establish a leader on a unit where there's 10 new starters. Uh, yeah. You hope it's the quarterback, but I mean, Emery is, is in a rut. He's not playing well. It's hard to be a leader when you're, in your own head because you're not living up to, to whatever standards you have. And yeah, I don't think Emery's a, a get in your face guy. Yeah. Yeah. You need that in football. Like no matter what people say, like you need, like there's different kinds of leaders, but on a football team, you need a good amount of guys that are going to get up there and kind of talk the talk, walk the walk, you know, get kind of get them on, get on more of the aggressive side. That's really – if that's the kind of game – that's what the game is. It requires that yeah. um, out, of, out, of, out of their – out of leaders. And, yeah, it, it kind of – we kind of got hit with the shitstorm, man. We kind of got – lose the coach and the staff, and then we didn't really have, like, that strong player voice that, that could kind of, like, keep the ship in the right direction. Not that these guys have been bad leaders or anything, but – kind of right now when when there's a bit of a, a culture shock difference you need that leader that kind of might represent what what a lot of these guys on the team need right now and that 17 team lacked a lot of the same stuff like there wasn't a whole yeah. lot of carryover leadership that didn't really settle in until what the second year with cope and cortez yeah yeah it, it take it's it's not a quick thing dude. it's not and you know we we got all these. We got a lot of talent on this team. The guys that have gotten a lot of reps already, and it doesn't mean that these guys aren't going to figure it out next year. But you know, you got to be able to. You got to be able to figure shit out right now. And we're not doing that. We're not. Nothing is getting fixed. That's what I'm noticing. Like these problems, we've keep reiterating them, and now we're kind of on the page of: is the team folding? Is the team? Where's the team's met complete mental state? Like we like Chad, you're you're now we're talking about the team doesn't even look like they're ready to go before the game. Like it's degrading quickly. And we need to see some sort of direction change. And I'm just not seeing it on any any facet right now. What was the you know, I don't want to make this like a fickle tenure versus what's going on right now type situation. But 
was there that rah-rah coach that fired everyone up before the game? Or was it more Don't of a rah-rah <laughs> man? Right. Or was it more of a rah-rah players stepping up? You know, Chad Both. mentioned the, the Kobe Bryant story a lot that, you know, is deserves every mention that it can get. But, you know, as, as far as pregame and as far as it, it shit's hitting the fan at halftime, who is, is it kind of both or is it one voice that kind of steps up and everyone just sits and listens to it? It was both, uh, both before the game. Um, I felt like Coach Fickle kind of had more. He he wanted to like establish the tone before the game on his own, but we were all like we were brainwashed, man. We were all in that that mindset. So he kind of let us do our thing. Like if shit was going bad at half, like he was he was the calm one. We were kind of the crazy ones. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that's what he. I think that's what made us good because you know he was there to kind of get us going if we needed to be a firelit under our ass to start the game. Cause that happened. There's always many games where you start slow, but I think the difference is we started slow. We stayed slow and we kind of got our asses kicked and we didn't do shit about it. And I think that's, what's the worst part. Um, so I, the, yeah, fickle, it was, it was, Fickle was very involved in it, but the the players were too. And I think we don't have either. I don't know that I don't really know for a fact, but we I know that the type of players that are kind of like the the leaders we saw going in, we know they're not the most vocal guys. But I don't know exactly. I can't speak on that. Like there aren't guys that are kind of up there and you know getting into it and doing stuff like that. But chances are that's not the same. Yeah, I, it's just – it was a weird feeling coming out of that. You know, and, and you guys mentioned it a little bit on the uh, nightcap, the extended version, Chad. It just the, the feels before the game, it, you know, it was homecoming, so the crowd was still bringing it, still engaged, this, that, and the other. But it, it did just feel like the uh, – just the opening sequence and, and just kind of the that, – that opening drive didn't really have the, the zest or, or whatnot. But still, it was like – Oh, but I mean, they missed uh... – 50-yard touchdown pass. I was getting ready right. to say that. I was getting ready to say that. Yeah. But, there's, yeah. There's a lot more zest if they connect on that. If they connect on that, yeah, for sure. I Well, so let's just go ahead and talk about that. Um, You know, and, and Chad, you, you did ask last week at the, uh, you know, midweek presser about the, you know, lack of explosive plays. And, you know, I think people will take a look at the overall number for the entire year of explosive plays and, and see that, you know what? They aren't half bad, but if you take out no, it's it's, it's you, getting bad. But if you take out that EKU game, just take yeah. away the imagine the the EKU game didn't exist. Cincinnati is one of four teams in all of college football to not have a passing play of forty plus yards. Yeah, since the EKU game, and you know, you want to say, you know, pinpoint on on play calling, pinpoint on this, pinpoint on that, but the fact is that. There have been those passes there each each week. We've, we've come on this show and we've talked about how, you know, hey, oh, if they hit that one deep ball at the end of the first half against Oklahoma, could could have been a different game in the second half. Hey, if they hit hit that one deep ball against BYU on that opening series and maybe they score a touchdown instead of, you know, having to settle for a field goal. This one is probably the one that sticks out the most out of all of them because, you know, it, it was a wide-open D. Wiggins. And really, no, no reason to miss that throw other than just simply being off. And 
Um, Royer kind of pulled pulled the ghost move on us, but it it just seems as though Emery is just it's it's not there. Uh, the whole off season talking about how at, at Camp Higher Ground the one of the best things that everyone saw was you know the deep ball connection from you know Emery and this this group of wide receivers and and how much they're developing this chemistry. And then after a little while, the the question started to arise: Okay, is it that Emery and the wide receivers are having this sort of a bond that is, you know, next level. It's going to carry over to the, you know, to the season, or is it more of a, maybe our DBs are struggling a little bit and, and, you know, maybe they aren't up to snuff or on stopping the deep ball. And it's kind of a mix of both. And I think we're starting to see that maybe that was the case coming out of the, out of the off season, because yet again, well, I, I disagree there. I, I, I mean, there were a couple of, of pretty deep passes. Well, the re- were... Can I can I explain why I disagree? Yeah, yeah. The the passes they missed haven't been because of coverage. They haven't been somebody right. breaking up the play. They have been wide open receivers in position to make a play, and right. the pass isn't like the deep ball is not where it's supposed to be. Right. So I I'm not like I get the premise of what you're saying because that's the great like unknown in camp is is it that the wide receivers are really good is it the dbs are bad is it a combination of both like but when you when you evaluate why they're missing these deep balls i don't think it's because coverage has been great oh no never never so i i'm not going to look at it and say we were watching him complete a lot of deep balls in camp Right, but it ended up being because uh, the coverage was bad. Like yeah. these are guys open, like the BYU one we talked about, running Xavier Henderson running right down the sideline, wide open, and it's and it's two yards over his head. D Wiggins wide open, it's four yards yeah. over his head. Like it's not a coverage These are issue. throws. Yeah, oh, no. these are throws a quarterback has to make. Oh, oh, I never said it was a coverage issue. No, no, what you said said was it because the DVs weren't good. I'm just pointing out, I don't think coverage has had anything to do with. Well, well, I was doubling down about how the DVs have been bad as well. They have, but that's not why Cincinnati is missing deep balls. It's because other teams have been better in coverage than their backs. Like, I think that's a false equivalence. Yeah. Even though that might not have been your you know, right. intention, I, I'm saying it hasn't been because they've been covered right. that these these shot plays are being missed. It's because either the route's not right or the, the throw is not right. But they are they are leaving factors, yeah. plays on the field. They yeah. are leaving yards on the field. What it's now becoming every week. Yeah, I, every week. What what I was saying you, to not be too harsh is that all of it stinks. Um, if I if I'm yeah. just being honest, <laughs> like in a roundabout way, yeah. that was kind of what I was trying to point out. But Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, you got yeah, got to remember. I mean, new playbook, new quarterback, new receivers. So that's new timing, that's new routes. But the plays that they're calling, they're working. It's just Emery and his receivers. You know, it's. My my high school football coach would always say this thing about transfers and how how it's you can't ever 
you can't just like form a connection on a team just by signing a bunch of guys and just expecting that everyone's going to play exactly up to their potential. Cause in football, it it's about, it's a let it's the biggest team sport. It's 11 men have to do their job correctly. Every single snap, every part of the play in order, in order for it to work. And Emory, Emory Jones is a great quarterback. He's made those throws throughout his whole career, but he's been, at three different spots, and this is his, his third spot. These receivers, oh, all of them are transfers, so this is all a new spot for them, new coaching staff. Mm-hmm. So you got to like, I'm not like these throws need to be made, but yeah, there you you know that like, yeah, they, they, these guys don't have the chemistry that we're used to. Like Des, four years, all every receiver in the room. Um, has been with that was with Des this whole time and yeah. same thing with Ben Bryant yeah. um it's just that, that's probably that that's definitely a factor I think as to why and I think Emory's just not playing well too I I mean the weird thing is so last year Ben struggled at Arkansas you know overthrowing a couple of the deep balls to to Trey and Tyler but and then that was that ended up getting corrected, and Ben hit hit a few more of those. Obviously, as the season went on, I, I feel like it's just kind of flip flop this year, where Emory was hitting those against EKU at a high rate and putting it in good spots too. And then now, I I, I mean, he had what against Pitt that that one good pass to Braden. Um, outside of that, not many deep balls. But since then, it's been zero, zilch, none, not even any catching runs it's just it's baffling because college football is about explosive plays it it, it truly is you watch any other college football game this weekend and the teams are making explosive plays unless it's iowa versus wisconsin and you're you're seeing like it's what rules college football is having the ability to find explosive plays and there hasn't been that at all and you know i was kind of mentioned a little bit about the running backs not being not having the, the opportunity to, to bust 80 yard gains but I, I mean there's just there was not, nothing at all opening up the defense that way missing that deep ball then was able to kind of constrict the defense and they took away the run for the Bearcats after that they took away everything for the Bearcats after that but I don't know that Royer I I don't know if you listened to Sat's post-game press conference but he said that that deep ball miss to D Wiggins was the turning point of the game. And having a, a play that early be the turning point of the game is, is kind of an interesting uh, note. That's, to that's the second thing that I didn't really like, you know, the running back comment. Yeah. You look at it. Um, you look at the full quote, it's not as bad, but I mean, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that with the running back. Then you got miles tweeting back at him. And then now kind of that, I really don't agree with that at all. It just like when you're out there, you're basically telling, you're telling the media like, Hey, like I didn't think my guys could have done anything from that point on. Like, I don't, it's just not a good look. I would disagree with him on that being the turning point. You know, it's the turning point for me. That goal line stand that wasn't. Yeah. I think then the roughing the passer. Well, the 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 penalty, the fake field goal, 
the roughing the passer, the stop, and then and then they get the touchdown. Yeah, yeah the, the dropped interception, the second near dropped interception that got broken up. Like they had four chances to get off the field right there with either no points or three points, and it ended in seven. Mm-hmm. And I saw a different defense after that. I, I did not see. You know, I, I thought the defense was okay to that point. I didn't think they were great, but I thought they were okay. And I think a moment like that, Ryan knows, a moment like that can energize your team if you get that stop with them down there knocking on the door, uh, be it a, forcing a field goal or getting the interception or or whatever the case may be. Um, but I thought I saw a different defense the rest of the way. I did not see a defense that looked hungry after that. I saw a defense that was just out there kind of, going through the motions, like, you know, carrying out their assignment, but not playing. Like, you didn't see a bunch of hats to the ball. You didn't see guys flying around, I didn't think, the rest of the game. I To me, that was the moment that, like, the wind kind of went out of the sails. Yeah, and especially because that was hinging after the Cincinnati scoring drive. So, yeah. 7-3, you've got the lead, homecoming, good fields. You only do a field goal 7-6, get the offense the ball back, a chance to extend the lead. I and just eight different things went when it gets Cincinnati on that defensive drive. But yeah, no, I agree, Ted. Royer, your thoughts? I I mean a, a fake field goal like that, and then just I, I don't know. The the drop the interceptions and just not that it's like un- unlucky, but it, it just seemed as if Everything was going against the defense on that drive. It was a really weird, really weird drive. But it was self-inflicted, a lot of it. Yeah, it was. Right. Yeah, man, Alex Halverson will be on later. Just stay tuned. You're on mute, Royer. <laughs> Alex Halverson? <laughs> yeah, he'll be on. he'll be on later. Uh, the, He's joining us uh, towards the back end of the show. Oh, we, need the, we need it. We need it. Oh, this is stupid. Um, sorry, that completely just ruined my train of thought. I I just think that we're <laughs> um, <laughs> we're we're uh, I I think we're not. We don't kind of how we used to find our way, like we'd get in like these shitty situations, but we had the, the personnel to kind of like just sneak our way out of things a lot of the times where we could, all right, we got a bad penalty. Um, we're able to just, you know, we got Sauce Garner, we got Kobe Bryant, we got go down the list. Like we can get a stop. We're My going to make a get play our way out or of, yeah. Jabari's yeah. going to make a play or whatever. Yeah. Beavers yeah. or Joel. And, yeah, we just I don't one, you know, like new team trying to get trying to get that trying to get connected with each other with the staff with the play calling that's not there and then um not having those guys not having those established guys I I think that's what you're seeing I think that just goes that goes down the board offense defense it's just it's just different man. It's a different. It's a different team. It's a different coaching staff, and I think it's hard for all of them to get on the same page together. And that's why you kind of you're not seeing that back against the wall Bearcat team would always kind of find a way to get out of those shitty spots. Hey, here's the other thing to me, guys. 
this is this is ultimately what was so devastating about the Miami and BYU losses is momentum is built if you win those two games that you should have won, that you played better than the other team and you lost. And you start, you go into that by, instead of going into it hungry, you go into it questioning yourselves. And maybe that's what we haven't talked about, Ryan, is this is a team that is questioning themselves because in in two of those three losses, they were – the better team on the field, but they didn't make enough winning plays for that to, you know, they weren't so much better that they could make critical mistakes and just have them not matter. Um, and then you go into yeah. the bye, maybe questioning yourselves and wondering like, are we bad? Instead yeah. of, I mean, we're, we're pretty good. We just lost a, a tough game. They look like a team that came out wondering if they were bad more than a team that knew they were good. Do you think that's fair? That's a great – that's very, very uh, spot on, I think. And uh, we're going backwards, like I said before. Yeah. We're not like – it's getting worse and worse. Yeah, and I think that's a, that's a big problem. I think that's a telling issue that I think they're – I don't want to say like I don't know if it's a culture issue right now. I think it's just you're trying to fu- you're trying to force all this shit in with, and there's a lot of guys that aren't really connected to what this used to be and what they where they want to take it to because they're all transfers, they're all new, and that's when you're gonna get like doubt. Doubt creeps in real quick when you when you don't when you don't have a tight knit team. You know when when shit starts going bad. It's it's going to get real bad. I think that's what's going on. You're also dealing with no carryover leadership from the Fickle era. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, DP is not a locker room leader. We talked about Dante is kind of a quiet guy. Um, uh, Dingle is in a in a new role, so he's not a guy that's that's going to be incredibly vocal, and I don't think he's overly vocal to begin with. Uh, you know, maybe threats is a guy that you hope would fill that role. And I mean, I'm sure he's tried, um, but it, it's, it's not, it's not like there's a bunch of carryovers from the fickle era that we're looking at and saying like, okay, this guy was a leader that last year or, or was stepping like elevating into that role last year. And now he's even more in that role this year. Um, so you're dealing with a bunch of transfers and a lack of that natural leadership carrying over from the previous year. Like, I mean, you know, it's hindsight's 2020, but how how different does this look if maybe Jaheim stuck around? If, you know, if, if Ben's still here, if, you know, if, 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 obviously if it's the nuts or candy and butts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. It's some butts for candy and nuts there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's your birthday. Freudian we'll slip on that one. We'll <laughs> I I guess I, the thing I'm most scared about is that when when Fickle first came in and 
the the old guys they didn't like fickle and him because he was too intense he was a psycho he was ruthless and the problem is here yeah the problem is here the old guys aren't saying that about Satterfield. They're wanting just from what from what I who from what I know and what I see, they want more than they're getting. And I, there's this I think there's this identity clash with the team and that's feeding right into the whole kind of disconnect with what is what is our identity? How how are we going to respond in this crisis? Right. And I think we're just folding in on ourselves because I think there's all that stuff at play. Yeah, Because um, I know, Chad, you, you, we've talked about how bad we were that first year. And I would, I would tell you, you know, but there was this, there was this hope, like we were, we were four and eight. We were so freaking bad, but like. Should have been one and 11. Yeah. Like we were so bad. And like literally the staff told, would tell us like we were terrible. And it, but even like they told us how bad we were in the off season, but all of us freaking idiots we're all of us were just like, we're, there's no way we lose to UCLA. Like we're, we're going to beat them. We all believed that we were going to do that. Cause we were, it was just like a psycho little cult of crazy people is what they turned right. us into. And I don't, I just like, I don't know if that, like, that's not the vibe that is being brought across right now. And I think it's it's rifting the progress of the team. I think we we keep mentioning the 2017 season. Obviously, that's the last time where multiple losses like this were strung together. Last time that multiple losses at Nippert were strung together. Um, but but the vibes going into 2017 were completely different. And obviously, that Tuberville ended it the way the same way he ended his walk down the most recent you know private jet stairs. Uh, stumbling towards you know to the finish line and so i don't know if there was more leeway heading into that year but still it was it was a frustrating season but they they also lost on homecoming day to smu that year but then there was a bye week after that they bounced back and i know it's two lane at two lane aac say what you want to yada yada but they they ended up winning that game 17 14 and I'm sure there's no two lane on this schedule. Oh no, there's no two lane. I'm that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I I imagine the vibes of that, you know, two week layoff, you know, the bi week layoff was a little bit more frustration, anger, hostility, firing the team up, this, that, and the other. Can we get two lane? Not just two lane. Can we get 2017 two lane in the house next week? It wasn't it was better. at two lane. Whatever. Iowa State I'll lost go, at Ohio ten to seven. Iowa State lost by thirty at Oklahoma. I, I I mean it's not like Iowa State some you know dominant team. Juggernaut. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not. Some no, but Iowa team. State is a team that has been week by week playing better and improving, and Cincinnati is not. They, they lost two weeks ago by thirty to the number five team in the country. And I, it was twenty one twenty in the third in the first half. In the first quarter, yes, because they had two long passes. They didn't score after okay. that. They are playing better. Cincinnati is not denigrating Ohio State. Ohio State isn't going to do us any good. It's not their fault they kicked our ass. I, okay, I, I don't know. What I'm saying is they, they aren't like some 
Nobody said they are. Beast team, I, you know, coming in. They were homecoming. playing better, and you see us, it's trending down. I was yeah. trending oh, up. There's no doubt about that. But in, in the same sense, it's like coming off of a bye, it's either Baylor or Iowa State served up on a platter, or, or if you want to throw in the two AAC teams served up on a platter. I'll take the over. AAC teams. Right. Houston and UCF, both of those are on the schedule the rest of the season. So, you know, we mentioned the AAC a bunch. It, it, we'll, we'll see how they do against those two teams. I, it's just in similar situations. I I don't know. Well, it'll be a uh, be a good barometer test. But that that 2017. Where they're at by the time UCF and Houston roll around. Oh yeah. Well, we will. I. We'll see. Two two and a half point favorites against Baylor this weekend. So we'll 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 slowly start at that. But um, I do want to talk about. End of the first half, it was kind of weird. Um, the whole, you know, not getting, taking a timeout, I don't understand at all. Yeah, you you accept the delay of game when you have three timeouts. I it just the the whole thing. It was wasn't just, like you were at the fifty and like the five yards doesn't matter much. Right. You were you were deep in your own territory. Deep. Yeah. Five yards matters. Right. And I don't know if he's like trying to. Say, all right, we're gonna milk as much clock to not give Iowa State a chance. I that was strange. Call timeout with one, like one, one second, second. right? Exactly. And you then, had three, right? You had three, and then you went you went to halftime locker room with one still, and, and then again the fourth down and in, in eight or nine or whatever it was with eight seconds left in the first half, I, the the decision to just heave up a hail mary. I'm okay with, but also in the same sense, why not just try and pick up 10 yards and send Carter Bryant out there and just get the game within. A... When did they pick up an easy 10 yards at all in that game? When are they going to throw a bomb, a Hail Mary with it? That gives yourself literally about the same percentage. 0.01%. I say <laughs> about, about 10 yards percentage. and calling a timeout. You probably got at least a, a 21% chance. They were both bad chances. I, I It doesn't. I, I get why people are are mad, but guess what? If they'd have tried to run one play and uh, they left Iowa State one second to throw a bomb, like people would have been pissed about that too. Like right now, everybody's just mad about everything. Yeah. I, I, the, the biggest thing for me is why do you take five yard delay a game when you have a timeout in that yeah. that situation? That's that's situational. That's awareness. The other one is a choice. Do we? Yeah try to squeeze out one more play and kick a long field goal or do we air one out for the end zone and, and hope somebody gets lucky like that's a that's a choice right the the delay of game on the the punt I, was that's weird. that's lack of lack of situational awareness yeah Aaron, were you about to say something you've been quiet no no I mean the whole, all that was irritating what are we doing there that's just you can't defend those types of decisions and those types of just blunders, really. I mean, that, that, call it what it is. It's not It's not a bad decision. It was just a mistake. Yeah. Mistake. All righty. <laughs> Very good. Let's, let's talk. Uh, are, you, are you Japanese now? Yes. Kind of. I, I don't know what I am. I'm I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't know that much, but um, this man, is the most down I've seen you. Like maybe since we've started doing this show, 
Ever. I'm sure there's been some basketball shows where you've been. Well, yeah, I, bummed out. I'm used to winning, man. And, and I, I get the whole, the whole thing is tough. I get the uh, transition to the Big Twelve is tough. I get all of that, but you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's just weird. You know, like you said, if, if the team came out and they, you know, worked their asses off and, and looked, you know, like they were fighting tooth and nail every single play of, of, of the game, then it'd be different. But I don't know. Vibes were vibes were definitely strange. Um, but let's let's go ahead and talk uh, special teams, Chad. You said you wanted to get into it uh, before the uh, you know early parts of the pod, but um, obviously a lot of blunders on special teams. Uh, kickoff returns were a plenty. Uh, interesting kickoff decision on the on the one high fair caught by Iowa State, setting them up in great. Field position. Um, yet again, not did, much. did you see that, Ryan? The pooch kick. Say again. Did you see the pooch kick on the I kickoff where they kicked it? Oh my god! No, because so that was just, after that was after the seventy-two yard return, right? Because they didn't want that guy returning the ball anymore. Yeah, it was. So, it was the so, uh, Carter Brown after the Carter Brown field goal in the third quarter. They end up oh, kicking yeah. kicking this pooch kick to try and avoid kicking it to the guy who returned it for 72 yards and had been returning for uh, – that wasn't his only long return. He didn't have any quite as long as that again. He had another one that was 50-something. Yeah, I mean, there was another long return. Um, he was the so special team player of the week in the conference. That's how good he was. Well done, sir. You deserve it. Um, but they, they kicked this pooch kick, and instead of it going – if you kick it out of bounds, it only goes to the 40. Instead, they pooch, they pooch it to the kick 45. it to the 45. What are we doing? They're caught. And then a big play on the next play, and then a touchdown, Mike, in 30 seconds, it felt like. I, I don't know if they were trying That's to sneak an mad. onside kick. I don't know if they were trying to sneak, like, we're going to kick it up high and have one of our guys go get it 20 yards from the spot. But they kicked it right to the guy. Like, they – they pooched it right to him and he just fair caught it and Iowa State ball five yards from midfield. That one uh that I it, might, it could have just been a complete miss kick, but that is yeah, there's no way that is a unless it was I've never seen a an onside pooch to the forty five. If yeah. anything, it would be more around the thirty five in that little pocket. Never, it had to have been just a, a a bad kick. I, that sounds like unlike anything that would ever be coached. No, it was on and purpose. To the forty-five. Like they, yeah. Yeah, it was. That was the intent. I don't know if they were trying to get over the first line of the defense <laughs> and then try to run under it. Like that's the only thing that made sense to me. But they kicked it right at it. Like he didn't even move. He just stand there, fair caught, and it went right in his arms. Hmm. I wish I could see it on film. I tried to rewatch it was, the it was weird. shit there. It was like it was like they forgot that you could fair catch a pooch kick. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> like that was the vibe that that it put off. I don't know. It was weird. And then I don't know. Just just thoughts where you know, obviously. When when Fick was here, it was all about the three phases of the game. 
you know, win each phase or win two of the three, you've got a good chance to win. I, special teams has not really been it outside of Carter Brown, who has had a good season. And uh, for the most part, for like necessity reasons, uh, overall thoughts on special teams. I mean, you can't make whole, wholesale changes, but you know, like, like Xavier Henderson on, on kickoff return. I, he just don't really see it in him. You know, he doesn't have that shake. He's got probably speed, just, you know, North South speed, but it doesn't really have much shake. Uh, that opening kickoff, he ran right into the first defender and was tackled right away. It just seems like there could be a lot of different, you know, wrinkles and, and things that could happen on special teams that, that, haven't and, they're bad uh, right now. Still, they, yeah. like you you give up a fake field goal you give up 250 plus yard kickoff returns uh i mean funny thing is the only two good things we have so far on special teams it feels like are carter brown on field goals who has been very good mm-hmm. very good. and then fletch who hasn't been all american fletch but has still been very good um other than that i don't feel comfortable like the the drop off from what we were used to feels pretty significant because punt return kick return uh punt coverage kick coverage none of those feel like like staples like like things that you knew they, like what's what the only thing I felt good about in coverage was what Oliver Bridges, uh, the Iowa State guy, decided he was going to return one, and Oliver, Oliver Bridges him smoked him right at the point of attack. Yep. Um, A.A. <laughs> other than that, I didn't feel great about any of the special teams play. Yeah, I'll be frustrated beyond belief if they run out pretty much any of the same returners next week. Yeah, I don't know. I, we don't discuss injuries here, but I imagine Ryan Montgomery was would probably have a a role in the return game. He was back there as as one of the two deep guys on the kickoff return, uh, the games before he got injured. Um, so I I don't know that it is puzzling. Um, but when you have Carter Brown who who is sinking field goals, that that's a plus. You know, that was an issue we had two years ago. So. And, and most of the years before that, but, you know, I don't know. Every other facet, it, it used to feel like it was a strength for Cincinnati where you could kind of sneakily get some, some yards here, some points there. It's just not really happening this season. It kind of falls in line with the whole entire vibe of, of things kind of being down a little bit. So, I don't know, just special teams, offense, defense, struggle, <laughs> absolute struggle right now. Yeah, I think my guess is that I don't know if um, Satterfield treats it as serious as Fickle does. Because Fickle, you know, being the head coach, but he was like essentially half a special teams coach, and Brian Mason was the other half. Um, Yeah, Brian did the schematics of special teams. Luke did a lot of the on-field, like, don't fuck up. Yeah. uh, Well, I I say it would be like, yeah, it was almost – you could call it anywhere from like – a quarter or a third because like coach we had fickle units and mason units but i think mason worked the scheme with him on both but like fickle owned kickoff and punt and mason owned pump block and kickoff return 
So Fickle right. would coach, go down the line, each position, except for punter and long snapper, uh, on both punt and and uh, kickoff. Like he, it was his shit, and he was like leading leading the special teams meetings and screaming at us all the time. And I don't, I might, I'm gonna go with a hundred out of a hundred. Satterfield is not doing that. <laughs> I don't think Fickle learned that from Urban. Fickle special teams early in his career like that was something that he felt Jim Trestle the obsession with the punt right right the the best play in football is a punt the art um, of the punt I I can I I, I have a rant yeah if ahead. the fans don't shut up with this Tuberville stuff like it is so lazy it is so uninformed it's so stupid just stop. There's nothing similar from Scott Satterfield to Tommy Tuberville. Like, they, they, there's nothing. Satterfield is at a point in his career, if he fucks this up, he's done. And he's young. Like, early 50s, late 40s, early 50s. This is not a guy that has an undefeated season in the SEC and, like, has accomplished all of these things and is on his way down. This is a guy that was hot at Appalachian State, was okay at Louisville, and is now coaching for his ability to make millions of dollars. It's not anything remotely similar. It's lazy, people. It's Mm -hmm. easy. Like, it's low-hanging fruit. I get that that's easy for fans and something that they cling on to. But there's nothing similar in the two guys. Satterfield is out there every day in practice, hands-on. Like, he is involved. He is not looking to get out of the facility and go golfing uh, every chance that he can get. He is not standing over on the sidelines talking to the media for half of practice. Like, it is, it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, you make yourself sound uninformed. If your take is, oh, it's another Tuberfield or Tuberville, here we go again. It's Tuberfield. It's Satterville. Like it's 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 bad. It's a bad take. It's a terrible take. I also want to add that he has a six-year deal, and they owe him every penny if they fire him without cause before December 31 of 2025, not including bonuses. And if he's fired January 1st of 2026 or later, up until the end of his contract. He still owed 70% of his remaining pay, meaning that if he was fired January 1st of 2026, you'd still owe him 11 uh, of the 11.7 million. You'd still have to pay him 8.19. And despite what you may think about this university making gobs more money on this new TV deal, which sure they are, but they also owe a lot of money for all the shit they're still building. That money's spent. Like they don't have money sitting in reserves to fire a coach they just hired. It's not happening. They don't have a booster that's going to write you a $22 million check. Not happening. So Mark Mark Cuban is not around. But it's just, it's lazy guys. Like it's, it's not informed. It's not reality. Like they're, they're, they're so different in terms of their personality. I know fans will get like, Oh, they're both from the South. Uh, One's from Arkansas and one's from North Carolina. Those are two different places in the South. Like it's 
But but they're they're twang, Chad. They're twang, man. Can we be better? Like I know you're mad and you want to like like fly off the handle about something, but there's no Tommy Tuberville to this. It's not right. It, it, it's not that. Like it, it was a very good rant, Chad. Yes, it was. It was very good. I you know and I, hopefully people tune into that. They, they we clip they this. Better. We post it everywhere. Clip this. Have Chad have so every much. other every other outlet put it out. Look look at them Talk over at BCJ. It. It, no, I, honestly, I think that, like, because I didn't know Satterfield. I mean, I didn't know Tuberville. Yeah. And I I think there's a lot of people, newer fans, um, people that just got used to Fickle, that the moment that something's different, they just – they're grabbing for straws. And I think that's right. I think that's something a lot of fans well, would value and to hear your take and on Paul, that. Paul, you're right. Like, it's it's – they automatically associate the two. Um, but it's bad. It's a bad take. It's a lazy take. So, uh, that's what I'm calling out. I know that I, I, that's my point is just because, uh, there's a little bit of a lack of success right now. These two coaches have nothing in common. There's nothing in their paths that are parallel. Satterfield did not coach at Miami at the U like, he did like Coverville came up through the SEC and and coached in the SEC and like had great success at Auburn and and like and then kind of on his way down ended up here. That is not this. There is no cushy landing spot for Scott Satterfield if this doesn't work. He is as desperate to win here as anybody. So it's a completely different setting, completely different environment, two completely different coaches. And the take is lazy. I don't care why, Paul. <laughs> I agree with what you're saying. I don't care why the, the takes are lazy. They're just lazy. They, they just don't connect. It's yeah. not a good take. Right. In two of the past three coaches in their first season at the helm, they they had losing seasons, four, four and eight seasons, you know. It, and so it's it's a situation where, yes, were we a little bit more hyped up heading into the year because of recent success, because of still the, the positivity in the program, this, that, and Look, the other. And it's a good thing fans have a high bar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I mean, I, if if it was different, you know, I, I mean, you look back at, at Butch Jones' first year coming off the, the high bar that was set following, you know, the, the departure of uh, old, old BK. It was kind of – the whole everyone hates Butch Jones thing and leadership was also in shambles. Like right. the, the events that happened in New Orleans, yeah, caused massive problems. Right, right. And it he turned it around, figured it out. And then you look at at Luke, obviously his first season. We beat that horse enough. The 2017 season will forever echo and will be a. Uh, not a measuring stick, but a barometer test where it's like, listen, even, even first year in the AAC is hard. So, Hey, it's, it's tough to take a step back and swallow that pill. But what, what fickle always said was that winning was hard was his first thing that he would say. And I think you're, you're seeing that proof of the pudding right now. And when he had, doesn't Ritter was an absolute winner. Uh, that That's a dude that, you know, people were calling for him to get benched in 2019 
like it was, you know, his job. Uh, 2020, that game at home against USF, he had three interceptions or something along those lines. Bench him again. You know, no, he's a winner. He's He, he stayed out there. He showed his will to win, and that's why Fickle stuck with him. I, I guess now it's, it is a hard question to ask is, you know, the players win the games is another thing that pretty much every coach will say. You know, you can put them in position. You've seen Cincinnati be in position numerous times this entire first six games to win football games. They've been in position to win the game. But it just has not worked out. More often than not, sadly, it hasn't worked out. And I, I guess the question is now, is it a personnel thing? Is it probably a little bit of a mix of both? Probably. I, You know, the, the, the high-flying defense causing havoc – has it been there? Is is that a personnel thing? Probably. Probably has a, has a good amount to do with it. Is it a schematic thing? Maybe a little bit. I, I, I don't know. There's so many mixing pieces that who knows. I didn't what feel great about anything offensively Saturday. No. I, no. I, <laughs> I mean, you complete that one pass, like, like you know, Coach Sat said, it could have been a different game. But – that pass goes incomplete like it has every single time over the past four games. And so it's like, okay, what now? But I have a hard time believing that pass being completed all of a sudden means the running backs get more than 2.5 yards of carry. Right. Yeah. Or or, or they're able to sudden, complete one other one. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, that offense, I, and maybe it, I'm sure it's a combination of all things. But that scheme against Iowa State's defense was not good. Yeah. It couldn't have been good. Like, right. there are other times we've talked about, look, the scheme, for the most part, worked because they had 230 yards rushing and 220 mm-hmm. yards passing and 450 yards offense. They outgained the other team by 100. And they did, 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 they did all these things where we can look at it objectively and say, okay, there were things that worked and things that didn't. There was nothing that worked against Iowa State. There was not one thing. Uh, no. Fletch punting, I, I guess. Okay, like that was that was the one thing that worked. Nothing else worked. Carter Brown, Iowa State. one for one, one for one for thirty six yards. Like Dana Beers could have made that. Oh no, he couldn't. Ooh. Hi, Dana. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's there's no. That's the that's the tough part about what happened Saturday. Yeah. As there's nothing to lean on. There's yeah. nothing to be objective about. It objectively sucked. All yeah. of it. Every bit of it. Yeah. And then the rain started in the beginning of the second half. <laughs> Which I told you pregame, I said, hopefully it doesn't rain on you. And you said, it's not going to rain. No rain. The rest of the day. Rain free. I called, the day. And then it I called Mother, Mother Nature. I said, give a little sprinkle. The little tears of. Sprinkle drip drip. The tears. <laughs> Luckily, oh, oh, something else. Something okay. else hasn't been talked about. Okay. Did you recognize that four of the seven field suites were Iowa State fans? So I wasn't yeah. down there, but yes, I saw like, like Iowa State, I don't know if it was their media or what it was. They were like, or maybe it was coaches. They were dapping up that like the, all the field suite people and then dapping up like, heavy all the players it was it was a really weird vibe going on right right there on that little uh end zone line well so i was was told i asked around 
I was yeah. told, those are open to anyone. Hmm. Bye. Okay, great. You know what that tells me? Your advanced sales team did not sell the suites. If the suites are just there for anybody to buy, why are those not sold out? Why are they not sold to UC fans in their entirety before the season kicks off? Why are half over half of them available to be gobbled up by the opposing team? Because now, now every opposing team is going to realize, oh shit, not only can we go see our team, but we can go to Cincinnati and buy a fucking field suite and sit down there and cheer on our team. And it's not that expensive. In their house. That's my point. How is that? How is how are those not sold? Right. Before kickoff of the season. Yeah. And like Matt Lanham said, how, how are those especially, especially the especially homecoming, the homecoming game. game. <laughs> I guess all the NFL games kind of didn't line up very well for our guys, but they kind of did though. Eh, yeah, I know, but 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 our our number one, he's a he's a, a New York guy these days. That was crazy. Um, but anyway, he's in he's in Philly tonight. Yeah. Uh, oh, did he? You know, that's he's taking advantage of playing on Thursday, and yeah. you don't have to really be back until Tuesday. Pretty pretty wild that he uh, him and him and Old T Swizzle just said, hey, "Let's just swing by Saturday Night Live real quick and have some quick cameos." Pretty 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 cool life. Not a bad life. Doesn't suck. You just call Saturday Night Live and you're like, "Hey, me and my girlfriend are running through this week. Find a spot for us." Okay, we'll have <laughs> we'll have T Swizzle introduce Ice Spice, and then you'll come on and just say, "Eh." That was fun. That skit was hilarious. Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was hilarious. It was good. Um, Living with the Swifty, the whole the bracelets and like, yeah. what was your secret song? Right. Like it was. It was dead on to have. Know, yeah. It was. It was really funny. Um, Aaron knows what I'm talking about. Didn't watch it. <laughs> Saw the word Swifty and I was out. Aaron's little like vendetta against everything Taylor Swift is, is pretty wild. I, but I, uh, I guess it's, I my best friend's wife is a Swifty and she has a vendetta against Travis. She will have none of it. Okay. Like, I'm hmm. like, no, he's like, he's a good dude. No, he's not. <laughs> hate that fucking guy. I'm like, okay, Bengals fan, calm down. I'm seeing a lot of them are pretty happy with how Man. happy. Taylor, I feel, is, the, so. feel the same way about, about old Tay Tay. So, <laughs> you would um, love my, my best friend's wife there. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we, we are yin and yang. <laughs> Real quick, uh, Royer, tough question. And if you don't want to answer, then you can say pass. Um, so there's been a lot of talk amongst the fan base about you know the whole when, when they wanted Des benched and Bryant put in. But the, the difference is that Dez was winning through all of this chatter. Now the talk has evolved into letting the Bradys have a shot and trying to get them more involved in the game plan, a glimpse to the future. Just overall thoughts on, on that side of things. Because, you know, it would be different if Emery was pulling out some of these wins. And it's, it's not a knock on Emery at all, but he, in, in his history as a starter, he has not won many football games, I think. Overall, he's like eight and thirteen uh, coming into the season. So now he is ten and seventeen. Um, so when it comes to this year one, the whole transfer era thing too, because that's another thing you don't want to. 
have someone who could be a potential game changer as a, as a transfer at the quarterback position say, oh, wow, things things went awry uh, and, and when Emory Jones transferred to Cincinnati and then he was benched after six games. You know, I, I don't know. It, it seems like it's a hard, hard line to toe, but one that is obviously at the forefront of every conversation right now when it comes to the team. Uh, I think there is no way. <laughs> um, I don't think yeah. the Brady's are ready. And I think you would be seeing a lot more at practice that there was any bit of a indication that that would be happening. Um, right. Brady Drogosh, you know, he was just learning how to grow into his body. Like just because he gains 15 pounds doesn't mean he's ready to, to lead, you know, a big 12 offense as a true freshman. I think it's good that he can, take his time, learn without the pressure of being the starter right now. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any anything to say about benching Emery. I think you just got to let Emery ride it out. I don't think you'll gain anything from putting in uh, either of the Bradys. I think it's just really, – I think oh, – what, would, really would you really develop anybody behind this offensive line? No, that's what I'm saying. Like especially with Brady, you don't need – uh, like a young guy, you don't need to ruin his confidence by just throwing him into the a shit storm that we're in right now. But I think you'd see a lot of the people calling for Emory to be benched. They might be calling Satterville Tuberville. That's kind of my take. <laughs> it's, they it's might be part of the, the Chad army, the <laughs> army against Chad, I should say. <laughs> you know, I try it's, to keep it's the freakout club. Yeah, if you want to be uneducated. And have a stupid podcast or Twitter feed or whatever. That's fine. We like to be educated here and have objective, Believe it or rational not. things. We like to cuss a lot, but that doesn't mean we're not educated. <laughs> um, hey, the the question becomes: the question becomes: Is there a point? And we're not. I don't think we're at that point either, Ryan. Is there a point where you have to find out? This is not an apples to apples comparison. Kansas State. And Cincinnati's teams are not the same. Barry Sanders couldn't rush for five touchdowns in a game behind this offensive line. Will Howard had success. Behind... Hey, Chad, I might bet on that. <laughs> Will Howard had plenty of success behind that offensive line before they made the switch. It's not a, it's not a fair comparison. Not See, at and all. Matt, Matt, this is what I think is fair as the question becomes, at some point you have to find out or you have the opportunity, you don't have to, but you have the opportunity to find out if Brady Lichtenberg is capable of being your guy going forward. There is no chance Emory Jones can be the quarterback for the Bearcats next year. This is his final year of eligibility. He is no longer able to play college football. He's already past the point of like medical red shirt or like he's, he's out of time. So next year, you are going to have a new quarterback. The question becomes, like, and I don't think it's this week against Baylor by any stretch because no. this is a game you have to win. Like, you have to win. But if um, things go, yeah. But I I do wonder if, if bowl eligibility is out the window and you're already looking at, at best, a three- or four-win season or whatever the case may be, 
Don't you think it is fair, Ryan, that at some point you have to find out where is Lichty at in terms of running this offense? Not just in garbage time. Not just on the last drive of the game. Hand it uh, off, hand it off, hand it off. I did hear somebody on the board say today, I saw in Brady's five snaps, (laughs) da-da-da-da-da. Yeah, I think there's some validity to that, um, kind of where the team's at towards the end of the year and how Emery does. But I don't think, yeah, I agree with you. We're not at that point right now. I think that's no, that's that, mean it, that we think be, Emery's playing well. No, he's not playing well right now. Yeah. It's he'd have to problems. do so, so bad. And he'd have to probably start acting bad as well to get matched. Yeah. Which we haven't seen, and that's a guy that's come into post game press conferences every single there, press took conference. Took it on the chin, yeah, yeah defeated yeah. on the chin. Which is yeah. which? Which I absolutely. I respect love. the hell. Yeah, I respect the hell out of it. And I and he'd be the, he's the kind of guy to be the first to tell you he's got to play better, and he has said that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and every you know, week, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I'm proud. I'm proud to have a guy up there as a quarterback like that that takes it on the chin like that every week that he's underperformed. He's the first one to tell you. So you I know, know we, I know we've been kind of dogging on him, and I I was kind of being an asshole to start the show, but I I do respect bit, but... the hell out of him. yeah. Look, and I I really do believe in him. I really think he's gonna make those throws. I think it's just he's he's caught in the the shit storm that everyone's caught in right now, and I was kind of hoping that he was gonna be that beacon of hope to, to pull us out and that make that big play. Iowa State, yeah. yeah. I really I, thought he was going to be that guy. He just hasn't yet. That doesn't mean that he's going to be benched because he's going to get worse and worse. I really do believe in him. And you know what? He did run aggressively. I, I went went back and watched you know clips of the game and whatnot. On the design QB runs, he was running with with the purpose. And you know, say what you want when you're when he you're might off, have been the most aggressive guy. In yeah, he, he might have been. I, Jack Dingle. Yeah, right. Well, DP had a pretty good game too. I thought. DP, yeah, DP too. Looking back on it, he was kind of ferocious. But you know, I, you know, you bring up the Kansas State thing. I, it, Avery, I mean, Avery Johnson was a top 100 recruit. He was a high, high four star that Kansas State pinned as like the next best thing for them. And right. like Aaron said, he's a, he's on a K State team that a lot of people said was a dark horse for the college football playoff and, and it's a little different than the current situation here and a little different with, with Brady Drogosh who rose up the rankings and probably is still, you know, developing into what, you know, the, the quarterback that he wants to be. Um, yeah, I do. I, you do have to start to think about next year if the bowl game eligibility runs out, but still there's six games left and the, the teams ahead of them aren't the, the teams left on the schedule aren't, world beaters they aren't like beastly teams do yeah. you want my positive spin Brent? oh yeah oh yeah love positivity i have one positive thing to say it really has nothing to do specifically with cincinnati at this point in time okay but there have been three four teams already that we have written off in the big 12 this year oh yeah that if undertaker popped back up out of the coffin oklahoma state I Iowa State. Iowa State, yeah. Texas Tech. Yeah. 
they're playing better than like they, they, they are playing dead better, yeah. at the beginning they of the season. Better. Yeah. And they have they come back to life. And most of the time, it has been one surprising win. Yeah. That caught, you know, Aaron and I talk about this every Wednesday and every Sunday. Yeah. We got we've gone into it going, this team's toast, man. They stink. And then yep. the next Sunday we have to go, ooh, interesting. Like they got a little life to them. I stayed at home against you. The same thing happened with the Bengals, even. I mean, if you're looking for something local. Yeah, but I'm just talking Big 12. Like, this, sure. specifically this league, we have seen one win right. redirect, like, the trajectory of a team. Am right. I saying this team's going to wheel off six in a row? No. But I'm saying we have evidence that teams have been playing poorly and gotten that one win and been able to get at least steady the ship, at least go from the bow has broken and we're just watching uh, each side descend into the depths of the ocean. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's as positive. That's. I like your Ryan, positive was that spin. Good? Was, that, was that a good positive spin? It's all I could come up with. I liked it. I thought I was good. <laughs> you know, I that's love someone. I love your soul boxes. You know me. Someone talking like he's got a birthday tomorrow or something, you know? That's yeah. A, that's a, that's the happiest first. Oh, baby. Count down the hours. Did you get some of the cake that, that Dave had for you up at the tailgate? No, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not generally a cake person to begin with. And cake at 10 a.m., uh, it's not, it's not. Probably a great idea for me. Yeah. Cake and um, beer? You don't think oh. those go together at all? <laughs> uh, I've seen light. Okay, cake and beer is fine. It's when you add the ice cream that it all goes south. You don't do the ice cream with the I beer. Mean, cake, cake and beer at like, th- at like what, 2 a.m. when you get home from the bar? 3 yeah, that's, the that's bar? fantastic. Mm. 10 a.m. when you have to go. There's not a safe cake in sight, if you know what I mean. Three and a half hours? No. No, if you know what right. I mean, Royer, not a not a safe cake in sight, baby. Um, but yeah, yes, <laughs> I mean, sir. I mean, um, you know, and it's funny. Now comes Baylor, who you thought was that team that because was bouncing off the mat, you know, off the mat after their huge comeback win against UCF, and then they just looked like dog poo again uh, the week following. So, you know, their offense stinks. Two and a half. If that offense. If that offense has success. Saturday, whole whole world of trouble. I mean, that is literally like the worst Power Five offense. Yeah, I could have crapped yeah. in the Iowa State field suites. You know, one of them was. Who one of the field suites was occupied by? Who's that? Cyclone Larry. No, Fred Hoiberg. Guess what Cincinnati icon was born in Ames, Iowa? Current Cincinnati icon. We talking baseball? We talking... Narrow it down for us. Number nine. Oh, yeah. His dad was coaching at Iowa State. Oh, bro, yeah. The family was when the family lived there. So Joe's brother was in one of the Iowa State field suites. Huh. That's the thing that like 
some people claim that he's from Iowa. Some people claim he's from Ohio. Athens, yeah. He yeah. was born in Ames, I believe. His yeah. brother was born in, like, they lived in Ames. He was born in Ames in 96. Yeah. But he did go to old Athens High School. Right. The Plains, Ohio. But, but yeah, there was there was there was a borough presence in the Iowa State in the plethora of Iowa State field suites. Yeah, like I was, I normally like to stand back a little bit from the sideline. I think I get better like photography angles. And they missed that the deep shot and the the box to my right erupted, and I looked over and I'm like, "Are you? What is happening?" Yeah. I mean, they, that's the whole thing is like, there was a lot of blown assignments, weird plays, but I don't know. play better. The Iowa State game was, was, was rough and I didn't like it. Um, but, but we need to get, uh, we need to get Aaron Smith more involved in this podcast. Let's, let's go ahead and timestamp this and get onto a new, a new topic. But I will say real quick, Iowa State fans yet again, praising Bearcat fans, praising, Bearcat game day set up praising everything Bearcats, even after the whole, you know, loss. And look, this has not been a season of failure from the fans. Now, we might get there huh. um, <laughs> over these last couple. We'll see. We'll see about the medal of UC fans right. um, as we head down the home stretch. But luckily, there's only. Three, there's three home games left. Baylor, Baylor, UCF, UCF, Kansas. Yeah. All right. Let's timestamp it. That is brought to you by Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. Quick Paper services over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next-day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Not all is lost, guys. A lot of season left. We're only midway through the season. We should have done our midseason wrap-up and look forward to the, to the final second half of the season. But We did that last week. Hey, you know what? We already did that. But uh, would have had a bit of a different tone, I, I think. But either way, two and a half point favorites at home against Baylor, upcoming Saturday, 12 noon, then a night game in Stillwater the week following. Um, the, saw a nice, nice tweet by Cass Simmons uh, earlier, earlier today. A little, uh, you know, they're, they're not done recruiting. They're still out there recruiting. They're, they're getting it done. Um, little, uh, you know, if you know, you know, type, uh, type tweet. So. Another thing to continue to track, uh, you know, with when it comes to basketball recruiting, it, it it seemed as if, you know, it was it was the it was that one team the whole time, man. I tell you what, that's, that's right. Jace Richardson commits to Michigan State, um, going across that name off the board. Pretty wild having your being being the dad, the father of Jace Richardson, being recruited and coached by Tom Izzo. Now your son. Well, was recruited and now will be coached by Tom Izzo. So um, Richardson out. It's kind of been trending that way for, you know, a while. But uh, 
Perry in this upcoming Saturday, right at the, uh, yeah, at the Baylor playing. game. Yep. So that will be all hands on deck. I think I saw an article where mentioned that you know he was that at Big Blue Madness um, in, in Kentucky. He left there. He's not committed to Kentucky, so that's that's a good thing. Um, let's go ahead and uh, have uh, have a warm reception for Travis Perry. Uh, we'll we'll be... see if it sounds like things for Boogie Fland are trending towards the Hoosiers. Yeah, that that seems to be the vibe today. It's his his announcement date was set. We'll see if that holds up, but. Uh, I don't know if that'll have any impact on whether Kentucky makes a harder push for him or, or not. I know Michigan has been mentioned. I still think right now it's Cincinnati or Ole Miss. Um, but obviously, kid from Lyon County, small town, Kentucky. Right. If Big Blue comes calling, the number of kids that have said no <laughs> is very small. Yep. It's very small. I, I know he did mention uh wanted to commit around the beginning of his season. So uh he wants to that, commit before the, the early signing period, which is November. Yeah. The, November, yeah. So um second second Wednesday or second Tuesday in November, some shit like that. Right. Would be would be a, a, an awesome class to to bring to bring in Perry to uh top it all off. You know, it and also in, in, in a way, Chad uh Ole Miss was, you know, had an article about about Perry and whatnot. Yeah, I think it was. It's a uh, kind of gets your fan base riled up a little bit. If you mentioned, oh, Kentucky had him in for Big Blue Madness, sure. Kentucky this, Kentucky that, kind of just adds to the allure of the uh, of the recruitment as well. Um, so, but yeah, if, if they push for it, obviously they become a big time player and a big time um, competition in that one. They have not uh, done that yet. Right. Right. So. But man, all the people that were at Big Blue Madness, it's pretty pretty great eye by Wes Miller. It's pretty much everyone who Wes Miller is after in the uh, <laughs> yeah. 2025 class. So it's just and 2026 too, for what it's worth. Um, so that's that. Uh, Ken Palm came out first. Ken Palm of the year, obviously Big Twelve, the number one conference in the country, uh, according to Ken Palm. Bearcats. Are picked um, to finish. What is it? Uh, quick math. Is it eleventh in the uh, in the in the Big Twelve? Their fifty third Ken Palm ranking. Obviously, it's a lot of weight on the year prior. Thing that picked that that stuck out the most to me, and it's a pretty obvious thing that we talked about a lot, is in the non conference. They've got what would be the equivalent of like a quad one game on the road at Xavier, and then the Neutral game against Dayton would be considered like a quad one, quad two, based off of how Dayton does. And then after that, every single game in the Big 12, that's right, every single game is going to be either an A or a B game, so quad one, quad two. Uh, that would explain a little bit of the scheduling. Um, yes, you have 18 quad one or quad two games. 18. Built every in. single in. game. <laughs> Nothing you can do from January 1st, to the second week of March, you're playing quad one and quad two games. There's not a breather. There's not, you know, there's not a, a week off, if you will. Right. It's hard. It's hard. You're going to love it. It's hard. The, the lowest rated Ken Palm, based off Ken Palm, team 
on the uh, schedule for the Bearcats in the Big 12, UCF at 72. So, hey, hey you know what? Strap up and, and, and get ready. Because uh, number two, Kansas. Number three, Houston. And then Baylor's right there as well at number seven. So three in the top ten. Just a phenomenal basketball conference. But obviously the non-conference is what matters right, for the time being. disrespected in the AP poll today? Only four Big 12 teams in the top 25? Is that See disrespect? That? That's the thing. Um, AP poll is always drunk. I, I hate the preseason AP poll. They had North Carolina number one last year. UConn unranked in the AP poll, in the preseason AP poll last year. And look what happened. North Carolina missed the tournament, and UConn won it all. So, um, grain of salt, I guess. <laughs> Yucky. Um, but, yeah, the whole non-conference slate. Is uh kind of waiting there in, in, in the wings, but the whole super secret scrimmages, which are becoming less of a secret every single year. I tell you what, man, hopefully they'll they'll just slowly just put these on pay-per-view, man. I I would have paid a pretty penny to watch the uh game against the Terrapins on on Sunday. Um yeah, but uh from reports, from tweets, from this that and the other 74-70 game. Um no uh, big men for, you know, obviously Jamil and Aziz did not play in this one. Uh, I tell you what, and, and I, I I hate losing uh, no matter what, which which way you slice it, but 74-70 without Aziz and Jamil is uh, something that I think you can kind of take a step back and say, okay, that's good to see. So Maryland is, is considered a really good team heading into this year. They bring back a bunch of their pieces that are um, high quality, uh, you know, and, and and they've also got a big man who's supposedly going to be really good, uh, who was really good last year, NFL prospect and and uh, Julian Reese. So NFL prospect, wow. NBA, pardon me, and NBA <laughs> prospect and Julian Reese, and then a big scoring guard in uh, Jameer Young. Um, Chad, you've you've obviously posted a lot on the uh, board from what you've heard that's not really too secret but is supposed to be super secret uh seemed like it was a good showing by the bearcats even without aziz and uh jameel yeah i mean it's it you know i think coaches are miserable uh this time of year everybody thinks their team stinks um so it, you know getting an accurate uh assessment of things and uh, you know this is one that uh, kind of have a little bit of uh, communication on multiple levels. Just, you know, I know Kevin a little bit from uh, him and Mick being as close as they are and right. uh, kicking it with him a little bit on the road at times. Um, it, it sounded like the, the Maryland side was pretty impressed uh, with UC, especially without like to play as well as they did or to, to keep it uh, as tight as they did without, Aziz and Jamil was uh, was something that they were pretty impressed by. Um, it didn't sound like Vic had a great day. Uh, so if you factor that in, plus uh, from what I heard, and I don't know the exact timing of it, but uh, Odie just kind of had a mild ankle sprain right. early, like early in the game. So essentially you're playing without Aziz, Jamil, and Odie. Uh, yeah. against a top 25 level team that's supposed to be one of the better 
the better teams in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to feel good. I think you have to feel good that they they're a team that wants to press. Uh, and it sounded like Day Day Thomas had a a really good day uh, dealing with that press and and getting up the floor. Played a lot of minutes. Did not turn the ball over. Um, and and I think had eleven points, if I recall what my 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 couple contacts told me correctly. Um, so that's good. It sounded like Dan played really well. I heard Josh Reed played really well. Um, that CMOS led the team with fourteen. Uh, I think there was a feeling though that he probably could have played a little better. Missed some shots that that they you know feel like are high percentage shots for CMOS that didn't go in. So, um, you know, you have to think like if Odie plays more or if, if, you know, you get a a little bit better of a day offensively out of Vic, uh, that's a win, but it it doesn't matter because teams are looking for different things. We've seen from Wes through these first three off seasons, that first scrimmage, he plays everybody minutes are low. Uh, Mm -hmm. from what I was heard, the, the, the told the highest number was 22 minutes played. Nobody played more than 22. So they got all 11 scholarship guys plus CJ Anthony, some clock uh, where Maryland, you know, they're, they, they've got a younger back end of their rotation. They're very experienced up for up top of the roster and then pretty new at the back end. Um, So they played mostly, I think one of their, Bench guys was out with an injury, a guy that would normally play like 15, 17 minutes. Mm-hmm. So they played like seven and a half, eight guys the majority of the game. Uh, and then there was a 10-minute kind of bonus afterwards where a lot of the guys that didn't get heavy minutes in the the 40-minute scrimmage, they played in that 10-minute scrimmage. And I was told Cincinnati handled that pretty easily. But um yeah. You know, I, so Maryland is uh, 22nd in the uh, Kempom preseason. They are 30th if you go with the you know, others receiving votes on the AP top 25. Uh, I, I mean, it's a team that, you know, they last year obviously went to the tournament, um, won their opening round game against West Virginia, lost to Alabama, kind of got ran out of the gym, but still it's, it's a good team. And you know Kevin Willard can coach, and it's a, it's a situation as well where you know as you said, with with eleven available scholarship players, and you add in a little bit of an injury issue, that means that more more than likely that that four was probably occupied by Seamus, who's played it in the past. Josh Reed getting good looks in there. I liked how the leading score was was fourteen. Second leading score was twelve. And then you mentioned you know, day day with eleven. Day yeah. with eleven. I, it, that's spread out. That that means the depth that we hear about, even without the, the two bigs being available in this game, is is uh, it's it's real, and um, that's what you need. So I, even through a loss, and and yes, it is whatever. It's a scrimmage. Um, well, I, I mean, the other thing you have to consider in a scrimmage, there's no scouting report. Yeah. There's no tape. There's no rolling the ball out and just go. Yeah, yeah. It's just let's see. Let's kind of see where our guys are straight up against their guys. Right. Which I, I, I mean, Aaron, do you agree? It's, it's, it's 
got to be more of a positive feel than than anything. It's not like we're rolling into this as you know. I saw someone I might have misquoted the the score and said it was seventy four to forty instead of seventy four <laughs> to seventy. And I think it was seventy four to forty. I think everyone would be like, I, I probably would have had to sit this uh, this podcast out after the uh, happenings of the weekend mixed with that. <laughs> <Sure>. so. <laughs> um, I think I think you you figured they probably running a small lineup out there, Sage getting some time with uh, whatever went on with some of the bigs. I mean, I think that's nothing but a good thing. Um, and I don't know. I'm just – I think that instills a lot of confidence when you have a team like that. You didn't play anybody over 22 minutes, and you come – even if you didn't win that game, it doesn't sound – in my opinion, you, I don't know that you should necessarily be trying to win or lose these things. I think you need to – what you need to do is – test out different rotations and find out what your guys are made out of when you have a team that is essentially halfway it's a halfway rebuild um i mean you have what six seven seven new guys i think with the two transfer with the two waivers seven new guys six returning yep. guys right so if you count I don't cj know. anthony seven and seven um that's that's where i'm at with i i'm i'm Trying not to be on to basketball season, but I see another game like I saw this past weekend, and it's going to be really hard not to be all the way on to basketball season because that was, that was a tough watch. Yeah, it, it was. I, I mean, you don't have to jump all the way in, but 11-6, we're tipping off against Illinois-Chicago, man. Come on. The Flames coming on down. Enough to get you a little excited. We're three weeks away, like essentially three weeks away. It is close, closer than the experts think. Um, yeah, it, it's it is, you know, without and and you know, Chad, do you ever think the, it'll get to the point where these do get like, like a pay per view televised, or or do you think this is just too much of a NCAA type, you know? No, it's you know, coaches. Hands off. Coaches don't really want don't these the tape to out be there and whatnot. public. Yeah. They don't one. They don't, especially now, they don't want any tape out of their, their new team. Right. Like, yeah. and it's not like teams are like, you just roll out the same team. Like, okay, we lost our starting shooting guard and our backup four man. Right. And we're rolling out the same team this year. I don't like, there's hardly anybody in the country that gets to do that anymore. Now it's yeah. like, okay, we have five returning guys and here's our eight new guys. Like, yeah. I, don't, I just don't think they want to. They, they want to give that that away. Um, I would love for it to happen, but I just don't just don't see it because I don't think coaches like I take the NCAA out of it. Yeah. I know every year what it's like trying to get information on these scrimmages. Yeah. And it's a pain in the ass. Right. Right. Like it's a pain in the ass. Like I remember the year that that they played at uh Banker's Life. Yeah, in and there were there were people on the staff at Banker's Life that released information that wasn't was it Notre Dame that they played? Yeah, they, and, the, and and they released the box score. The box score got out, and some of the people there were talking about like the the, the game and what happened and who looked right. good and who didn't. Da, 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 da. And Mick and Mike Bray were both ready to like execute people, like. <laughs> The coaches just don't want it. They they want it in house. They want it as a practice, and they want to be able to use 
those tools from practice, uh, from that practice into their preparation leading up to the season, but they don't put any value in the outcome. Right. They put value in how did our sets look offensively? How do we look on outside defense and what were our rotations like? And like, so they don't the take that they want, got from it. Right. They don't want necessarily, they don't necessarily want us talking about it. Yeah. Which is like wild. I think last year Purdue put out highlights of a super secret scrimmage. Yeah, that's allowed. Like I, I had this conversation with compliance over the weekend. Essentially, we are at a point now where the only thing secret about super secret scrimmages are everything up to the point that the super secret scrimmage happens, and then whatever happens after is fair game. Right. Right. If coaches want to talk about it, they can. Guess what? Winning coaches want to talk about it a lot more yeah. than right. losing coaches. Um. If you want to put highlights out, you can put highlights out like this. They're only super secret to a point now. Yeah. They're not they're not super secret in perpetuity. Yeah, right. You like that, Ryan? It's a big word. That's that's, that's one of them engineer words. We know you had that one in you. One of them engineer should I, words. Should I skip to green, Ryan? Which one? First. Brain was too Too damn big, man. No, what what it was? We'll be honest here. What it was? I went to kindergarten in uh in Irving, Texas, a suburb of Dallas, Mm -hmm. uh, and then we moved back home for first grade. And when I got to first grade, it was the same curriculum that I had in kindergarten in Dallas. So like the same reading material, the same like everything. So when I got, they were like, "Okay, here's your." Test into first grade, and I was like, "Oh, I already did this shit." <laughs> so I did first They're grade for like three weeks. Over in yeah, old Irving, Texas, trying to try to pump it, out it, those football it, players down there. It doesn't speak well of the Kentucky education system in the mid '80s. I'll yeah. say that. <laughs> so, so Chad, you think we're about like two years away from Cincinnati versus Kentucky out on Nippert Stadium? Little super no. secret scrimmage there. <laughs> That's pretty cool seeing that that at uh at Iowa though. So so it was, it was a cool cool little event, and they yeah broadcasted it. At whatever. Super she's a star. Like she's a legit superstar. Kayla Clark. Star. Name. Yeah. I mean, for women's basketball, she is as household name as it gets. Oh yeah, star. Um, mainly because she shoots from like thirty five feet, like she's Steph Curry, and don't give up. Uh, oh, and then she does the, the can't see me, but that was to her. <laughs> that was to her, you know, strength coach, not Haley Van Vliet or whatever that girl's name was. <laughs> right, really transferred, but you know what? That's a different different combo for a different day. Um, three weeks away. There's one more super secret scrimmage that we can't talk about because it's uh, before leading up to it. But if it might know. or might not be against Indiana State. Okay, okay. The uh, the old Sycamore is there. <laughs> yeah, might or might not. I mean, it, it's been out there, so good job. But if you read the board, else put it out. Have people put it out? No, it, it's something. I think uh, uh, I put it out. Yeah, I think you put it. I put it on the board. On the board. I'm wondering if other people have made it public. Oh, yet. made it public. I don't know. I don't know. Now that now that should be a game that we walk away like, oh, 85 to 
61. Very good. But we'll see. Um, and if not, you'll panic. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> full out panic. UIC Flames. Jump on the football train. Quick enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see what they did to Baylor? All aboard the Tuberfield Express. Woo! That's got a nice jingle to it there, Royer. I see what you did, man. First stops. I kind of like Satterville. I kind of like yeah. Satterville over Tuberfield. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I missed it. People doing these combinations on social media. <laughs> I mean, like it—it it does sound like like so, like a Southern guy that goes to Ole Miss, like you know, Satterville Tubblefield. Like he's just—that's <laughs> his, like, his whole name. Yeah, the president of some frat down there. <laughs> Satterfield Tuberville. <laughs> no, Satterville Tubblefield. You got you got to mix yeah. the two, baby. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't care enough to care. Right. Anything more basketball wise? Obviously, the whole waiver thing is the giant elephant in the room that will continue to be there until whatever news comes out. So I still haven't changed my stance. I think it's going to be like everything else we've seen. There's going to be a denial, and then it's going to go to the appeals process, and we'll see where it goes from there. God love the NC two A. They're consistent. Uh, that's how it's team. worked. Like that's yeah. how this thing has worked pretty much yeah. this entire cycle. So unless your name is Kansas just, and you're the Jayhawks and you can do what you want. But uh yeah, sure. Um yeah, so basketball right around the corner. Excitement, thrilling, juice. Let's go ahead and dive I'm saying. Quick Paper Supply, your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to-go containers, cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins, etc. They've been open since 2009. One of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Media Day Wednesday, yes, Keegan is going. My daughter was not happy when she found out about that, by the way. What? what? That Keegan was going to Kansas City. Taylor going to be there? Apparently she bought a box. Now she has her own box uh, in Kansas City. And if Taylor wasn't going to be there, Travis was going to be there. So we could have gone to Kansas City and hung out with Trav in her mind. Donna, it's huh. like you have school. He's like, I don't care. <laughs> I need to try some of Donna's cookies, man. You, you see those? They look pretty good. An interesting dynamic. All right, Brent, you got anything else before we move on to the mailbag? No, waiting on you, man. Well, let's normally, do, uh, normally you say like seventeen things before we go on to the mailbag. Oh wow, you don't say a lot and then you come in and dog me. Get out of here! Throw up the mailbag. Get out of here! This mailbag brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium college apparel brand based in Indianapolis. Emphasize their uh, commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. Uh, it's a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including your favorite team, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Go to homefieldapparel.com, enter BCJ23, and if you're a first-timer, you will get 15% off of your order 
of my favorite UC gear, gear that I wear. Okay. Especially okay. the hoodies. Love the hoodies. Hoodies. All right. <clears throat> Starting off in the football portion of the mailbag here. Uh, after the Bearcats lost, I got out a jug of the peach flavored Turtles brew to drown my sorrow and then swore off betting on the Bearcats the rest of the year. What did you guys do immediately after your game related activities? Ryan, what did you do immediately after the game? I uh, didn't make it. <laughs> but uh, I went to, let's see, where did I go first? I went to Martino's Dive Mio's, then back to Dive. Oh. Yes, that was it. That was the rotation. Didn't get, didn't move very far laterally down the street. <laughs> we stayed very close, <laughs> close proximity. Um, yeah, that was that's what I did. Drank my. I, I stopped it. I dropped my dad off. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. I just said drank my pain away like a smart person would. Yeah, I uh, I dropped my dad off. And then I stopped at Kroger and got some pancetta and came home and made myself some pasta carbonara, uh, fresh, uh, did the, the soft of the pan, the whole nine yards, Royer, got nice. some, some shade parm, put a little shade parm on top, a little Italian seasoning. Um, so I had a, a really good, really solid pasta carbonara for dinner. Uh, and then I wrote the bites, uh, mostly I like, especially after losses, I like to write the bites and then wait until the next morning to make sure I wasn't emotional. <laughs> you know, some of the, some of the people on Twitter, they might want to take your advice with that one. We might get some less crazy takes. And then we did a, uh, extended 90 minute uh nightcap and half of it with a little over half half of it with aaron then keegan popped in i will give keegan credit aaron he was not interested in the victory lap it'd be weird he, said he had, no he said he said i have gotten just as many wrong as i've gotten right i just happened to get this one right i happened to read it right and i'm not interested in in dancing on anybody's grave uh to be fair i was the one that wanted to to dance on your grave because you called him out. So then I thought it was fair that we have a little back and forth, but he was not interested. So kudos to Keegan. He could have, he could have, you know, gone prime time and styled on you, but he refused. He declined. So you're not going to give him any credit for that. No, you're the one that shit on him. I did. That's all part of the game for God's sake. I know. That's what I'm saying. Part of the game is you shit him having a differing opinion, you shitting All on right. him, and then him what, dancing on your grave. And he what I did immediately after the game was went to my mom's house to hang out with the family and then did a podcast that I really didn't want to do because those are not fun. Part of the job. I understand. That's why I did it. Brent, what did you do? He drove home. Well, you got that part right. It didn't take three hours. 
No. Oh, that was the worst drive in. The outside traffic, traffic, looking for my chapstick, feeling kind of caustic. There's a Ford Maverick. Saying that like a hundred times on the way there. It took me three hours. It was Jeez, bad. Malibu's most wanted. Shouts to them. Um, you know, and then and then got back and, uh, you know, one of the perks of having a, a beautiful little puppy dog is like just hugging that doggone puppy dog and saying, hey, I've had a rough day. And then the puppy dog says, I love you too. And then you're like, yeah, everything's going to be all right. Then you link up with friends and you get some drinks in you and you um, completely push aside your your sadness and your deep thought. And then you uh, watch the rest of football. And then you kind of hate watching football because it reminds you of the football that you watched earlier in the day. And then you lose a lot of bets, just like you lost in the beginning of the day. And then you try and win all of it back on Sunday. And then you have a really bad NFL Sunday. And then you just wake up on Monday and you're like, okay, time to go to work. Yeah, so that, that was what I did. <laughs> Sounds like the best weekend ever, man. Let's go. Oh, it, it was phenomenal. <laughs> All it was right. phenomenal. It was great. Oh, boy. It seems like Pace has played better since missing the OU game. Do you think this is an indication he's getting more comfortable with the star position? And if so, do you think we might – see more breakout plays, maybe even a turnover or two from him the second half of the season. Personally, I don't know what you've been watching, but I have not seen him playing better. Uh, he played pretty well Saturday, but a lot of it was what we what we told you guys about that he was being super effective on from that spot, which is plays into the flats, swing passes, tosses, screens like he's been super effective making plays in the backfield on stuff to that strong side outside where he can use his he's got incredible closing speed like when he recognizes the play and plays downhill he's really good i i don't think he's been great outside of that which is i think is what aaron's getting at um iowa state did quite a bit of that so it allowed him he led the team in tackles. Like the, it's the coverage, though, that has been. He's not been not good. Yeah, not. That's what I'm saying. He's been good at what he's good at. He has not been good at the other parts of that role that they're trying to fit him in. Personally, I feel that's I, I feel like, um, oh, the other Cole Ring kid, um, Dante Corleone. No, the one that filled in for him. Yeah, uh, Ken Willis. I, th- I feel like Ken-, Ken Willis played better in that spot than Pace did, but it's a coverage spot. I agree. Ken Willis did the corner, so yeah, that's fair. Um, question for Royer: What do you think of the laid-back head coaching philosophy? Can that win here? We hear about how practices are shorter, which I imagine means less reps and looks for players during practice. That then leads to the ill-preparedness we witnessed on Saturday. I've heard mistakes are corrected, and intensity is flat relative to recent years during practice as well. One small example is Braden Smith after the pit game said the trick play they ran was repped twice in practice, and they completed it neither time, and then it was called during the game and was completed. I don't think the last part of that is a fair uh, judgment of anything, but, I mean, it. I'm kind of biased because – I was kind of more on that intense, aggressive edge of 
that's kind of how I've been brought up in football. So I just resonated really well with Coach Fickle's style. Um, and it seemed like a lot of our – it resonated well with a lot of our, our – uh, my teammates. And I think you got a lot of those guys still around, and they kind of want that. And I don't think Satterfield is like that. So I think it's kind of just driving this divide in the team that – is really affecting kind of like how they respond in tough situations. Cause they're not, there's like two directions that like, or like two different voices that are coming out when shit starts hitting the fan. Um, and I don't think that means that like Satterfield's laid back style is, is bad, but I think you're, you always, you do need, you do need, whether it's people on staff or your players, you got it. Someone's got to kind of have that intense. Somebody's got to be an style. asshole. Yeah, you need that. It's that's football, man. It's a violent, aggressive game, and it all it makes it easier when your head coach is the asshole because your players, if he does it right, your players will his players will respect him, and there'll be good kind of leaders that kind of liaison between him and the non asshole loving players. That kind of sounds weird. <laughs> Pause on that one. Um, <laughs> Oh, big boss. I just I just yeah. said it again in my head. Oh yeah, big boss. <laughs> Let's stick to eating like cake that, after a long night out. Yeah. yeah. Nah, but if that makes sense, it's it's yeah. I think the biggest problem right now is kind of like that divide I was talking about with like the difference in styles. I think it's kind of rifting and I think that rift is kind of help it's really um, impeding the progress of getting out of this rut and we're going backwards. We're not fixing things. I think that's kind of, and yeah, I don't, if you want to be blunt, I don't really, yeah, it's not my favorite type of style. It's hard for me to get used to, but I, you know, I think, I think there's, I don't know. We'll have to see. I love what Nico does. I think that's going to be a big help to keeping things non laid back this off season. So that's the other thing that we can hang our hat on. Brady was with thick at Ohio state. So they had that connection. They had that camaraderie and, and kind of probably had the same path heading into, you know, what they wanted to accomplish. Nico and, and sat are new to, to each other. And so I, you know, that, that whole connection with, with strength coach and, and head coach. I, I mean, Nico's the absolute man as we've seen. So I, you know, it's just more and more. Just you, you peel back the layers and you see there's a lot of different steps that that go into everyone kind of connecting together and, and being able to mesh and and flow and and win football games. So I agree. And maybe this is just the growing pains that we we have to go through. But I don't. I guess it was my hope was that I feel the elite find ways to get through shit like this and that right. doesn't mean we go 12 and 0 it's not what it means but i am concerned with how things aren't getting corrected and we're going backwards mm -hmm. we're losing four games in a row we're not having a bounce back game and we're losing worse and worse we're not we're making more mistakes we're just not we're playing worse in general across the board and that's what especially what's, saturday 
Yeah, that's that's when I'm that's when my panic button starts getting pressed. Right. Because it's like, if Satterfield like, if Satter like, I feel the the first thought that comes to my mind is this ship isn't like getting immediately corrected. Like, and that's what I I feel like that's a good sign of, um, Satterfield's grip on how to how to ride through adversity. Cause that's what you got to do as a head coach. And yeah, he might have one of the hardest, the hardest hands to play right now, but I, I was just expecting more than what I'm getting. We have seen enough from this group to know that they are capable of being in position to win games, to see them come out and look overmatched and look uninspired for most of the action on Saturday was alarming. Yeah. Because that was not what we saw. Yeah. Even Miami, where they dominated that game and lost, but we've gone over that a million times. Oklahoma was better, but they kept it close. BYU was about equal, I thought, even though BYU got the shit kicked out of them by TCU, which was a little bit alarming on Saturday. But they weren't uncompetitive in any of those games. They were competitive. They just didn't do winning things to win. So there was an answer in those that three-game losing streak. There was an answer to fix a little bit here, fix a little bit there, and you're winning. What happened Saturday was deflating. It was alarming. It was not indicative of what we had seen through this team through the first five games. And that's what we're here for, is to discuss the ebbs and flows of a season. We go back to 17. You guys were not competitive in 17. Oh, we were terrible. I literally was just about to bring this up. Like, this team is way better than our 17 team. Right. Yes. Like, there was a game that they just threw in the towel. USF, it was like, no mas. Just, we're going to get on the plane, and we're going to get the fuck out of here. That's what happened in that USF game. It was that bad. And UCF, too. Where they... UCF was equally as bad. Yeah. UCF, they quit after three quarters. They... The uh, they wanted to stop the game, like Bone was like, "Please just forfeit." And Pickle was like, right. "No fucking way!" <laughs> they did stop. It was the USF game that got canceled. No, it was UCF. Right. It was UCF at home. Yeah, yeah, it was the rain out. Was the insane. Yeah, where they just scored like they scored like twenty one points, just unbelievably fast. I remember because I bet on Cincinnati in that game, and I said, <laughs> "I said there's still one quarter left." <laughs> you bet get voided. I took they them live. It. Yeah, they voided it. I took them Let's live. Go. And... I was like, "What happened to the game?" And I... That was one of my most embarrassing time moments of a, like. I thought my... the that game was more embarrassing though. Like that. At least it was... was great. <laughs> I know, but it was literally the first time like people with like with control on the w- within a program were like, like this needs to stop. Like we don't want 
He like, threw in the towel. You guys are so bad that we need to keep no! you from playing. <laughs> it was I, Apollo I against Ivan Drago. Like, I mean, no! the worst thing about the uh, <laughs> about the USF game is that it, it came the week after the UCF game. So it was like it was it was a it, I guess maybe that's my my brain. It was just a spiral of suck. Nice. Those those Dagon Knights of Gold had fifty three points through three quarters. Yeah, Chad, I think where you're trying to go is that you're saying that, like, we have a better team this year, and we we should be winning, and we're regressing. More we should more. be able to. We should be able to see a bump. Like, you're yeah. supposed to get better through the season. You're not supposed yeah. to slide. And Iowa State, we saw a slide. We saw a significant slide from BYU. And with a buy in the middle, that is alarming because yeah. you're supposed to go into a buy and build momentum into the second half of your season. And that's not what we saw. We saw a team that largely was not competitive with an average Iowa State team. Now, yeah. as young as that Iowa State team is, they're going to be a fucking problem for a couple of years now as they gain some experience because they're like they hit the reset button and it's working for them so i know that's like i know fans look at that and they go well then we should try that too um i don't know that we're at that point yet yeah and the thing that like my my thought is is i my my opinion is i don't think a laid-back coach fits well in this shit storm that we're in right now like a regressive scenario where they're losing games or they should have won and that's why like we were so bad in 2017 but like fickle just kind of i his style like matched kind of where where we needed to go and he was gonna be able to kind of drag us there and i'm nervous that like we're we're in free we're like slipping right now and like we need that asshole to fucking this grab. is yeah this is a critical game Baylor we'll get oh, into yeah. this as the week progresses this is a critical game for Scott Satterfield oh, yeah. to earn some goodwill to like to get some trust back to stop the bleeding because a lot of people are ready to jump. And if you lose Baylor and now you're playing at what has become a hot Oklahoma State team. Still water, yeah. Yeah. Like Lord help you, us. you like what we talked about last week. You have to go two and one in this stretch. That it's still possible. It's unlikely, but it's still possible. What you can't do is go 0 and 3 in your most winnable stretch of Big 12 games. Can't, 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 because you three might be doing this show alone in a couple weeks. <laughs> if they lose both of these games, it might be, it might be Brent, Royer, uh, Aaron, and Kelsey oh. doing this game, doing this show. Could be a nice three twist. <laughs> Aaron would love that. Because you got because you got murdered? Maybe. Maybe. 
does the transfer portal make it harder to root for a losing That's team? A like during the end of the Tuberville era, we sucked and we're getting our ass kicked, but at least you were rooting for kids that you watch develop for two to three years, get their turn, and at least there was a sense of pride from that. Now it's like we suck, and I'm rooting for someone who I literally have zero connection to. Just seems harder to even want to watch this team for that reason. I love that. It's fair. Yeah, very fair. fair. We'll love you. Like we'll love if you're a Bearcat, we'll love you. But we love the the full time Bearcats just a little bit more because when you dedicate your all of your time here and see it through, no matter what, no matter if you might be getting screwed over with PT or things might not be going exactly how you want, I think there's fans and and just people across are always going to respect people that stay their whole time and been here the whole time. But yeah, that's a great question. I love that. You see that a lot I, on I the basketball it. side of things too. Um, you fall in love with a guy for four years, has that senior moment. You're like, hell yeah. You know, awesome to see. But in football, man, it's, it's very true, especially at the, at the key positions, you know, and well, you want to see a guy go from backup to contributor yeah. to starter to star. Like that's yeah. the natural progression right. that, you know, most guys take. A guy like, Scott. like, yeah, it's different. But like even Dets went from, you know, starter to start embattled starter right. where everybody had questions to stop. And then yeah. all you know, all American type, but you know, NFL yeah. draft type. Now he's probably not gonna be a starter in the NFL for long if he doesn't get his shit together. But um that's what fans, especially fans of a program like this, which is a developmental program, they want that progression. And now you're not you're not fans aren't connected to Emory Jones. They're not connected to Xavier Henderson. They're not connected to D. Wiggins. They're not connected to, to Dan Greshick or or Debo or you know Jordan Young. Like there's there's a bunch of guys on this roster that when their number is called, when their name is said, even halfway through the season, fans are still like, who? Oh shit, I forgot about that guy. Like the the, the casual the people that aren't watching this content the unless they are, unless they've had a whole bunch of mistakes then they're like oh i right. know that guy <laughs> right right oh, oh, the, unless there's somebody everybody on twix is talking about hey the the, the fan base is gonna be blown away when, when donovan ollie goes out and gets six catches for 85 yards on saturday mm-hmm. <laughs> like, whoa what the hell is this guy so yeah like i get it man i get why fans this is hard for them because and and guess what most of these guys here's the hard part fellas a bunch of these guys aren't going to be even around next year like they're right. gone yeah that's that's so scary it's, thing. Just, it's just a shooting like a fleeting memory where in in four years most people aren't even going to be able to name five percent of this roster it's probably fair can ask ask fans to name the starting five for the basketball team. If if they don't win, ago. if they don't win many more games, though, we're all going to want to forget this roster anyway. Right, but they're gonna either way. 
Right, wrong, or indifferent, they're going to either way, Aaron, because they're just here for a year. It's just passing. It's fleeting. It's not, there's not that connection to um, being a Bearcat, to like representing the red and black. They didn't show up in uh, uniform videos. They didn't show up on promo material. They didn't get a, I miss Wired Wednesday, because I think that was like a, a thing that let people get like, I think. Something like a Wired Wednesday for a transfer-heavy team like this, you have to do that. Yeah. You have to. I agree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I get I get. And I know Bearcat CB has been a diehard. He's been with us for a long time. So I'm not calling him a casual fan when I'm saying this. I'm saying for, for that segment, it is increasingly difficult. And even for the diehards even for the people that are paying for Bearcat Journal and listening to these podcasts and watching all these shows, they still, four years from now, are going to be like, who was our, who even was the starting right tackle on that team? It's a good trivia. Like they couldn't, they couldn't find DeAndre Buford with the search warrant. (laughs) Is that the, is that the old uh, Willie Cunningham used to say that about Mike Thomas? Mike Thomas, you couldn't find that guy with a search warrant <laughs> when Mike Thomas was eighty. <laughs> Do you think it's encouraging or discouraging that we haven't had too many serious injuries, excluding Sammy Anderson, and the results we have from this? Did you? Ex- did... I don't know how to answer this other than. This wasn't a team that any of us expected to have stars. So injury, no injury. I think, you know, not having injuries just has masked the fact that. After EKU, I'll tell you what, I thought we had some damn stars. That's (laughs) why you don't react like that to a team. Everyone reacted that damn way. No, it was just like, okay, they look damn good. Like we expected the offense to not come out hot. Couple that with Pitt, man. Woo. We were sky high. Kool-Aid there was questions about that second half against Pitt. Oh, Emery's in the half. in the record books. Emery's in the Cincinnati record books after EKU. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's I don't look into it too much. I'm not encouraged or discouraged about the injury situation. It um, is a it's a hat tip to the medical staff and, and Nico as yeah. to keeping your guys. They, they healthy. do a great job. And it's Nico's first job as a, as the guy at the top of the program. I was a little surprised to see Ryan Montgomery and Ethan Wright not dressed. Yeah. Saturday. Coach was alluding to seeing Stephen Bird, and that was not the case. In any case, uh, should there be concerns about this staff's ability to recruit? It seems like there are a lot of players we are landing with Mac interest. No. I'm not because so much emphasis is on the transfer portal. And I don't think that's, that's right about this staff. I think they're on the back end of things um, looking to kind of, find some offensive linemen, some bodies that can help them in the trenches. Max schools will also give offers to everyone because they're hoping to land anyone. Yeah. I, it's not something I can, I'm concerned about at this point. 
most of the class. Hold on. One second. The 21 people? I have them pulled up here. I have them right in front of me. Um, there are two guys rated 84 or lower. 85, 85, 85, 85, 85, 86, 86, 86, 87, 87, 87, 87, 88, 88, 88, 89, 90, 91. Those guys at the bottom of the class, Dante Corleone was an 82. Sauce Gardner was an 84. Uh, Kobe Bryant was a 79. Derek Forrest was a 79. Like, I, I don't, it's not like they are scraping the bottom of the three-star barrel. This is still going to be, what, second? The second highest rated class they've ever had? I don't know. Did they put us in the right conference yet? They did in basketball, finally. I think they finally got that right. Was that the one that we were in the wrong one? Uh, I think it was both at one point in time, but... <laughs> Let's see. Team rankings, Big 12. Oh, yeah, they're in there. Fourth. They're currently fourth in the Big 12. Are we really, like, come on, guys. Please. Can, we, right. can we bitch about stuff that, like, the stuff that is worth bitching about? Uh, do you think teams take on the personality of their coach? I think the conversation around the grit, toughness stuff that Chad and Aaron talked about on a nightcap made me wonder if the team is reflecting Sat's personality. Not really sure if that can be conveyed as good or bad per se, but definitely different culturally. Uh, I think it Ryan. has an impact. It has. It definitely has an impact. It just depends on the support, like his staff, the strength staff is huge too, but it, he, you know, it, at the end of the day, he makes a decision who he wants to hire and how those people handle uh, the culture, their players. But I mean, like we've said, I think there's plenty of, of people around the team that have that. Like we talk about Nico, we talk about Kerry Combs, Walt Stewart, um, people who know this this city this program and kind of cult culture wise but i yeah i do think that maybe if not directly i think indirectly by you know it may not be that his him not being by proxmosis but yeah by yeah. proxy that's, a, that's better yeah. than osmosis aaron good word good yeah because he might not be like directly like making players like soft or something, but like how I was saying before, like there's kind of the old, the, the players from the old staff, it's kind of like not resonating well with them. And it may not be that he's like making them soft or making other players soft by his style, but just that his style is rifting the it's direction different of from, the team. from what yeah. they're used to. Yeah, and I do think it's starting to take a toll, especially when you lose, man. When you lose, shit comes to come shit comes out of the dark and it gets brought to the light. And well, you know what you get now? You get you get guys going, damn, I probably should have taken that money that people were calling me and offering me under the table this yeah. offseason. Yeah. Hey, damn, I, I probably should have listened to this. Damn, I probably should have done something a little different. Why did I buy well, in? Why did I? How many transfers do we have, Chad? 
you uh, 23 what what you do when you're in one of these ryan is you enter in doubt and yeah. you saw it i know you saw it yeah during 17. you enter in doubt like guys like kobe and Defoe and and mike and dads and whatever those guys don't think that way because they're new and they're young and dumb and whatever the case may be but the guys that have been around for a while like i don't i don't want to how challenging and and this is no disrespect to the name i'm about to bring up but i know the name i'm about to bring up hated losing hated losing how difficult was brian wright in 2017. <laughs> i didn't you know what i mean a ton you know because he was on the d-line then remember he he was still yeah he hadn't gone to linebacker yet Oh yeah, he, but that guy fucking he, hated losing. He hated losing way more than he loved winning, and that's yeah, that's a compliment to be right. Yeah, that's great. I, I love guys like that. But he was furious that year. I talked to him all the time. Like we had a connection because he was a basketball guy that played for an AAU program that I knew well. Um, like I, I had a great connection with Be Right and. He was ready to fly off the handle that year because he wanted to win. And that team wasn't yep. competitive. He was furious. And then guys like that that got, yeah. Guess what? He was a lot better. Yeah. He won 11 games. A lot yeah. easier to deal with. Yeah. And but before, go ahead. Aaron. Go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, before we move off football, this is the last football question that we have in the mailbag. Um, I was just kind of curious what your thoughts were on um, even like the texts or the tweets that came out from uh, like Sammy and like, how would you have addressed that as a, as a teammate seeing somebody tweet out about see. Sammy said something about uh, his, his injury and um, I need to be freed or, or something along that line. Um but just kind of curious how, how you would have reacted because Emery was asked in the conference in the press conference and had to answer it. And people were a little upset with the way he answered it. Um, so just, I would, what did he say? Do you remember verbatim Brent? No, I don't remember verbatim. It, it was just something long because he's injured. Uh, he essentially said that the training staff was not allowing him to be on the field and he wanted to be mm -hmm. okay so are, he, he was really blaming he was, he was saying that that they were holding him back that he was he felt he was healthy enough to be out there and he's not being out there because the training staff is not allowing him to be out there yeah i mean this isn't fair really to throw ryan on the buff on this because he doesn't know the situation yeah i didn't <laughs> well I, mean, I, I i didn't know if he had seen it i so yeah Again, like we talked about Saturday, if he was healthy and he was ready to go, the training staff would play him. Well, he and I'm was, yeah. he was their best corner coming out of camp, but that's not the part he wants to play. The part that I was curious is, is how you would respond as a teammate to something you know, like I, that. But I, I got all the respect in the world for Aaron and that staff. I mean, they're they're excellent, and you know, 
it'd probably be something you just go you go talk to them and say are you doing all right like how are you feeling like i know you're going through a lot of shit right now because you know when you're when you're an athlete when you're uh someone who, who plays a lot of snaps and is a really high high elite level athlete you know like playing in games like matters a lot like it's like the whole it's the whole reason like that you're you do all that work all off season and so there's and now you mix losing into this so he's like he's probably thinking well i mean we're, we're not doing well i want to help the team out but i'm here being told i can't play i think i can and he's pissed off that we're losing everyone's pissed off and so sometimes people just say shit that tweet out shit that they don't mean so i mean it'd be I would just check in on him, see how he's doing, and you know, probably oh. tell him, hey, you know, we probably shouldn't be throwing our people under the bus. You should probably go apologize and clarify things with training staff just to get every, you know, because you don't want to be isolated. Get everybody on the same page, training. essentially. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, but just but make you sure get your guys are right. You get being frustrated. The guy he, he got to play in the first game, like Sammy's a guy that was was out of position last year. I thought he should have been an outside corner last year. I didn't think he was a, a nickel, a slot guy. Um, he was finally getting that chance. He showed in camp that he was their best coverage guy. And then he gets to play one game, and now we're halfway through the season, and he hasn't been able to get cleared. It is Aaron and the medical staff job to care about his safety more than his desire to play football. Yeah. And you it know, is you a like player's yeah. emotion yeah. that I am on the cusp of accomplishing my life's like goal, mission, whatever you want to say. Like, I, I have worked forever for this. I am now going to be the number one starting corner on a Power 5 program that has put corners in the NFL – like this close to accomplishing my dreams and injury has hindered that. I want a guy yeah. that's pissed off about that. Yeah. I want a I guy agree. that's ready to fight for that. I think you should, I do think that you probably should stay off Twitter with your, your, you know, talk, you know, I think it's major reactions. Keep, yeah, keep, yeah. Keep in house. Cause you know, you don't want to be, you know, that stat, like you were saying, Aaron and them, like they do so much for us. You know, the last thing we want guys doing is kind of going out there and calling them out and stuff like that. Um, I, I'm sure Sammy, he's a great dude. He'll, I, I hope he apologizes to Aaron and them because I know, but I know what you mean. You want that fire, but you could try to keep it, keep it inside. Don't, don't put it out there. And that's kind of what I would say to him. Like, Hey man, like, you doing all right? Like, you know, I, we want you out there. I know, I know you want to be out there. Like I'm here, like here for you, brother, whatever you need, but probably shouldn't be doing stuff like that. And you should probably, you know, go apologize to the staff, but the fire is there, Chad. And we, yeah, it's good to know that there's guys out there that are. He wants to play. Like I don't, yeah. I, he's not, he's not. I kind of wish the asshole. whole team was like that on Saturday. Right. Like, I, I, I'm not going to be mad about Sammy, like, craving. I wasn't trying to paint that picture. Out. No, 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 no. Aaron, I'm just, okay. like, I'm just talking through it. Like I, I, like, I don't hold that against him. 
I think it was what happened in the press conference was completely fucking unfair. Because the tweet happened right at the end of the game. And then somebody asked, started asking Sat and Emery about, about the tweet. And they had team morale questions. Yeah. Yeah. They had no inkling that this was even a thing. What? Why were they going the team morale route? Because somebody's disgruntled. Sammy was disgruntled. <laughs> he's mad. That's, like, that's you're question. misrepresenting why he's mad. Yeah. He's yeah. mad because he wants to help the team win. Yeah. He's mad because he's got some fight. I can't be pissed off at a guy that is yeah. reacting how I wanted the entire fucking team to react when they yeah. came out on the field on Saturday. <laughs> I'm all, I'm right there with you. I am. Sorry, that's I didn't mean to get that's just I, I, no, didn't, no, that's, I didn't mean to get this all crazy. <laughs> no, I, I think that's like that's the, the gist. I just wanted is oh yeah, I'll, I'll always go for it. I'm You're sorry good. if I if, I'm sorry if I, I caught you off guard, Ryan. It was just trying to get oh, a player's yeah, perspective yeah. on on how you would react to things like that happening in the locker room. It's not very often that you get to ask a player about a situation that's kind of happening in real time. Yeah, yeah, but but Sammy wasn't reacting about dismay or or, or sat or how the team's coached. Right. He's reacting to I want to fucking play football. Right. Yeah. Amen. I, right, I have respect for that, even though I think <laughs> I, I have respect for that, even though I think you went about it the wrong way because Aaron yeah. and crew are incredible at what they do. Yeah, and they love they love this university and yes. this football team just as percent. much as the players do, just as much as anyone. So they they would never be holding the guy back because they want they right. want us to win just as much as we do, man. They they dedicate right. more time. <laughs> Than we do. So let that be known. All right. That let it be written. Ends, let it be known. That ends <laughs> the football portion of the mailbag. Uh the Woo! the basketball portion of the mailbag. Um, there's only two questions left here in the entire mailbag. Um, one question here in the in the basketball portion. Uh, how do you feel about a couple that were added? Double check. I did, and it's not anything I, I really need this to is add. Not a basketball question. Just football. Oh, it was in the basketball. Uh, <laughs> you, nope, you there it is. Read. There it is. Sorry. <laughs> don't mind me. Um, I, This is what happens when I skip questions. <laughs> Will we ever get to a point we can have nice things, tip off event without there being a cost crunch? As a fan, it's very hard to know where the money goes and frustrating conference change doesn't change the same budget refrain this program has struggled with for decades. Anthony, AC Mazzaro, his name's Anthony. He's a, a guy I've known for a long time. Just because they're in the Big 12 now doesn't mean they're already getting all Big the money. money. Right. Like, and and if it comes down to it, like, I, I have this, this is essentially over like, uh, like having a midnight madness, like a real, like when you watch, like, you know, what Indiana does with Hoosier Hysteria and what Kentucky does with, with Big Blue Madness, with Carolina. What, if Wes is going to do what we used to do, right? if Wes is going to do a Midnight Madness, it's going to be a big event. There's going to be a nationally acclaimed artist. There's going to be, you know, uh, 
tens and possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars in lighting and music and all of those things. You see, it's it's not getting Big 12 money, like full Big 12 money yet. Um, they are not at a point where they have paid down all the debt that they incurred, acting like a Power 5 team in a on a G5 budget uh, when they were balling on a budget for a decade. Like, it, it, you don't just snap your fingers and everything is fixed because you're in, you know, uh, month three of being in the Big 12. And some of that comes down to um, a lot of those places, when they have those events, they go to a booster and say, hey, we need you to write a check for XO amount of dollars. And the booster says, great. Well, guess what the basketball program wants XO dollars to go to right now? NIL. And it's, uh, would you rather go into the spring with XO dollars in your NIL budget or to have a Midnight Madness event. And guess which one the head coach is going to pick. So until we get to a point where, what's the generational wealth is is the term, I, I think, where there is generational wealth in the athletic department and you can just drop $250,000, $300,000 in the bucket for one night, uh, then you're going to say we have to raise $300,000 for A, Midnight Madness, or B, that $300,000 can go to in the NIL fund from outside sources. And guess what the coach is going to pick? It's, it's not a hard decision. So uh, will we ever get to a point where we can have nice things? Yes, when we have generational wealth. And we do not have generational wealth. We were just now, just now, born into wealth. We are we we just we just got yep. born on second. Uh, well, and we're not it's, old it's enough. Not as, we hit a double yet. It's not as if they haven't been spending money in the basketball program. They they just yes. updated locker rooms, and those are not cheap to update. That is something where we need to raise money for this, and it's worth because there's a long term gain out of changing right. the locker room situation. Midnight Madness is a four-hour event like do you want to spend two hundred and fifty thousand dollars on a player in the portal or do you want to have a fun four hours for the fans um that nobody's going to remember once the season starts you have to you wait have it, until you have that money in the athletic department budget to pay for that and if you have it after a nip at night game nobody's going to remember it anyway right well that you know <laughs> or if you have it, if you have it after a noon game on a Saturday, I, right? I was a noon, a noon. No, I'm I'm, I'm just providing you're other speaking things from past experience there. Absolutely. Right. Or you have it after a noon tip-off that you just got beat thirty to ten by Iowa State, and everybody's leaving the stadium at four o'clock, and your midnight madness is at seven. Guess what? Nobody's staying. Mm -mm. Um, looks like I did miss one of the football questions that I had. Uh, how do you feel about the younger guys at O-line? Do you believe we have a lot of promising prospects? Not sure if you guys can answer this, but how does their development occur as it's 
usually hard to imagine underclassmen linemen getting meaningful snaps in games. That's an off-season question. Like we'll we'll see where things are when we get to the off-season. During the season, the focus is on these are our seven or eight guys. Yeah, yeah. Like we're gonna do everything we can, and you don't get to see the younger guys against the, you know, the main often or defensive line. When you do see them, they're in a scout team role where they're trying to mimic what the other team uh, does. So it's just not a fair – I don't think it's a fair assessment. Um, but that is one that we will get to plenty as we get into uh, the offseason and spring ball and, and all of that. So um, it's a good question. It's just not one that I – Unless we had Garrett like go to practice for, you know, a week, and really get a feel for that, I, I, I don't, I'm not great at. Uh, even even then, it'd be going against other second and third teamers, so it'd still be hard to get a true evaluation, I guess. But right, we'll see. All right, um, the last question that I have in the mailbag here. Of course, is skins. I think there's Rapid another fire. Banks one that showed up later Ooh, as well. That but did come in. Late. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, never mind. That wasn't really a question. It was just a statement. Never mind. I just saw the one <laughs> that there was another one. Another comment. Red notification. Oh. Yeah. Rapid fire, a.k.a. watching Aaron's will to live slowly slip away. This is a music edition. Is there a worse song to have stuck in your head than What Does the Fox Say? I'm not familiar with What Does the Fox Say. Really? Uh, I don't know that one. It's, that song's in my head probably at least once a week. Get out of mute, Royer. I said I was, you're a lucky man, Chad. What does the fox say? I'm not familiar with that at all. Baby Shark would be up there. There you go. There, there's the sound. Baby Shark would be up there. Dude, Baby yeah, Shark slaps. I don't know. I don't. Shake it off would be up there. I do like some of Taylor Swift stuff. Shake it, Shake off. it off when that gets stuck in your head. There's nothing you can do to get it out. How about the BK commercial? <laughs> Have it your way. That's never been stuck in my head before until now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> whopper, whopper. Hans <laughs> Zimmer, the uh, <laughs> The Chili's one used to get stuck in my head all the time. Baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back, baby back. Remember that? Chili's, Chili's baby, baby back, Riz. Baby back, baby sauce. back. Made famous <laughs> right? by Austin Powers. Um, right. Yeah. There. I don't know. All right. I think we covered it. Uh, what is the one song that randomly pops in your head and you can't stop it from happening? Hmm. Mine right now is it's just awful. It's my song, and I once it does, then I just cry, and there's nothing I can do about it. So never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down. Rick Roll just Casually pops in your head all the time. <laughs> and, and you guys got a little glimpse of Aaron's grade A voice. See? Oh, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm holding so much back right now. That was good, man. That was so good. 
Aaron being like a closeted singer is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Not even closeted. I'll I'll tell everyone. Well, Give me a karaoke well, mic. I'm I'm in. <laughs> sitting in the closet. We got to go to karaoke night somewhere. Roy what's what's your number one? Out. What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, how's it gonna be? No way, really. By no. Third Eye Blind. Yep. I love that song. I just, you just never heard anyone. You just say find that. someone in the crowd and like this is for you or no? Or, okay, that's weird. Why why would I make it, it weird? Gonna be? I don't know. <laughs> Roy? How's it gonna be? <laughs> we lost. <laughs> we lost. Don't know it. It. And, uh, Unbelievable. Uh, What's your go-to karaoke song? Mm. We've had this. We used to go to tavern karaoke every Thursday. What I'm trying to remember what we would we sing. Bohemian time. Rhapsody. We all know it. Oh, uh, we used to do this one. It was uh it's um it's a mashup between New York, New York and New uh, New York State of Mind. So you sing the Frank Sinatra and then it, that, it goes straight that, into that, that, yeah. It goes straight into uh Jay-Z. We liked that one. Yeah, okay. Oh no, yes, God, how did I forget? Freed, my sacrifice. We would go off. Oh my God. Wow. I like yes. it. I like it. Yes. Like That's Creed good. all the way. From dreaming long to another. Oh, God. How can I forget that? Time and time again. I'm a wow. Pearl Jam guy. I've got a very good Eddie Vedder, like that grovelly, low. Uh, Can't understand a word you say. Yeah, but not like you still, you know the words. It's karaoke. They're right in front of your face. So all you have to put up is letters of the alphabet. Black is probably my favorite karaoke song, or my go-to, which I think is Pearl Jam's best song, by the way. Yellow Ledbetter is pretty good. Yeah. But Yellow Ledbetter is literally just... just and it's same. really disturbing if you know what that song is about. It's about a mom <laughs> raping her stepson. Well, I wouldn't know that because I can't understand what he's saying. <laughs> and if you've gotten this far in the pod, you have now You're welcome. <laughs> is there anything left? Um, is that all? Uh, he said, for me, I've had Barbie Girl stuck in my head since 1998. Uh, best song for an anniversary, Cupid's Chokehold or Gold. Barbie Girl in a Barbie world. That's a, that's a quick, quick, quick fun fact about that song. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> he really I, uh, wanted to tell us. I took French class, uh, took French class in high school, and uh, we, me and another uh, uh, girl sang I'm a Barbie girl in French in front of the class. You know what a terrible one to get <laughs> stuck in your head story. Is? Dominated story right there. Dominated. <laughs> it got an A plus. Terrible song to get stuck in your head. 
Oh, tell me what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> Man, I tell you uh, what, TikTok and the reels make it easy to get songs stuck. <laughs> like, yeah. mm, that devil. It's all part of the algorithm, mm. man, to just make us mm, into well, idiots. <laughs> now let's see how many of these songs show up in our For You feed oh, tomorrow. Yeah, we're done. I, we're done. I did a whole college speech in Communications 101 on Mbop by oh. Hanson. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because it was so ridiculous. You don't know Hanson? That's not how it goes. That's the mailbag. Get us out of here. Yeah, get us out of here. Did you know High School Musical back in the day? Did Alex Alderson ever come on? What? Did that Halverson <laughs> guy ever make it? <laughs> Did who? Halverson? Yeah, where is he? <laughs> he's supposed to make it on the show, I guess. He's I think he's coming on now. Chad left. Get us out of here. Okay. <laughs> well, we've got a football game coming up on Saturday. Um, that was outstanding, Ryan. Well fucking done. <laughs> well done. He's He's been sitting in the lobby this whole time. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> Well, there's a football game on Saturday. Uh, is the Baylor Bears? Please you know, win. Shouts, shouts to the Baylor Bears during the 2021 season. They they were helping the Bearcats out quite a lot that whole year. So, shouts to the Bears. Now we're gonna gonna pay you back by beating you. Uh, two and a half point favorites at this point. Noon kickoff. Never at Stadium. Travis Perry in town. Get it rocking. Get it rolling. Uh, but yeah, guys, you know we'll have. Nothing but coverage leading up to it on here on BCJ. But uh, for my guys, pals, partners, Mr. Aaron Smith, Mr. Chad Brennan, Mr. Ryan Royer, I am Brent Young. Yet another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!